on this episode. <laughs> hip, hip, hooray. Hip, hip, hooray. Hip, hip, hooray. That's three cheers for sweet, rev- I mean, disappointment. As Checkered Pass digs in on the off-the-wall antics of Long Beach ska icons, the arrogant sons of bitches. All this and more on Checkered Pass, the Skycast. What up, Checkerheads? Welcome to Checkered Past the Scodcast with Celine and Rob, the show where a kid SKA and a OK Boom Pewter explore the history and impact of a different band each episode okay. and hope to bring in new fans <laughs> along the way. I'm Rob, and this is my sister and co-host, Celine. Okay, so let's break it down. What was yeah. the first thing again? Kid SKA. Kid SKA. K. What kid, was that? Kid Ska? Kid A. Kid, yeah, kid a? Ska, but Kid A. Yeah. I don't know and what then, Kid A is. Oh, and then OK Boom Pewter. Right. Yeah. Hey, somebody just spoke. <laughs> Sorry. Hi. <laughs> Radiohead. Those are both Radiohead oh, references. Yeah. Okay. And also, I said "Okay, boom, pewter," and it made me laugh so hard. That's funny. That that's just good. I don't yeah. need to. I don't need to get into that. It's like good. that's just a good joke. Yeah, like, like ska related or not, not. That was. I very accepted funny. that one as is. Uh, should we pick it up where we left off? Sure. Pick it up. Pick it up. Talk to us about the birthday shenanigans that are coming, Celine. I thought I would leave this for this episode because I thought it was uh, in theme of our guest that we will announce soon. And reminder, this episode comes out late June. so this Yeah, will well, whatever. The people will figure it out. It's okay. fine. <laughs> They're smart. Yeah. Um, I'm having a birthday party this weekend, and it's a very silly situation. So it's Rocky Horror Picture Show themed, mm-hmm. um, and it's a costume party. And I'm asking that people do pick characters, and people can dress up whoever they want, but if they want to be a part of this portion, they have to pick one. So I'm doing a karaoke Rocky Horror Picture Show party where I'm doing all the songs in order of the movie. So basically, I'm convinced I'm tricking all of my friends into doing just a little light local theater production of Rocky Horror Picture Show for my birthday in your basement or in my the... basement. Oh, okay. I in my basement. Maybe you're no, absolutely not. Bar. No, too far. You did far. say you were thinking about it. I thought about <laughs> I thought about renting a hall, but it was too much work. You said you were just going to go to like uh, H2O or whatever. You wouldn't be able to like get it in order. There's no way you could convince them to do that. There's no way. You would have happen. to like do a song, There's let no three bikers do songs, and then come back and do it. But song I might later. choreograph a light murder scene. <laughs> it's just right. a light one. Because there is light murder in that there show. There is light murder. Yeah. Uh, and you are? I'm Dr. Frankenfurter, of course. And your partner like is? A, a Rocky. Okay. And uh, I think he will be bronzed. I think he will be bronzed. I'm definitely going to Pam you up. You're definitely going to get Pammed, Engineer Joey. <laughs> and maybe mean? a little bronzed. You just got to shine him up like Pam, like the oil spray oh, for cooking. That's what people use for like photo shoots to like get you like looking shiny. So yeah, you just got to oil. That's like his whole thing. He's like oily and bronzed and little gold shorts. <laughs> yeah that's his, that's his whole thing he's a very that's his whole thing one-dimensional character <laughs> yeah. yeah actually they're all kind of one-dimensional not frank and for don't i we can't have this conversation <laughs> right now i absolutely do not agree i'm There's apparently a few will of be them. There. I, I, I will 
Tim Curry is incapable of playing a one-dimensional character. <laughs> he speaks, and it has like thirty dimensions minimum. <laughs> Nuanced uh, performance. How do you do? I see you've met my. He thought you were the candy man. You have to do the little. You have to do the. Little I know you're Tim ready. I know you're ready. That's what you've practiced. I've been ready. You've been ready. I've been ready my yeah. whole life. So who else is coming? So. Who else do you have convinced to do characters? My friend Maz, who is genuinely a vocalist in several bands, which mm. is really funny because the whole thing. So she's Meatloaf. So right. she's truly a better vocalist. Is she going like, to run all. in with a saxophone, do that whole thing? No. Okay. And then we have several riffraffs. I'm curious who's going to be riffraff. Yeah, I think. Like, well, we have at least many. we have at least three riffraffs because every like because he's the coolest, most badass motherfucker in the like room. He's like the rock and roll guy with a bald cap. And my friends are little weirdos, and they all want to be little rock that and is, roll guys with a bald that cap. That is one dimension: is that he wears a bald cap. My friends' <laughs> vibes are riffraff. Most not, of them, not the rapper. I think I have like a pretty cute friend who's going to be magenta. Okay. Yeah, um, and I don't know. I want someone to be Dr. Scott. Oh, my friends, Cody and Travis. <laughs> Nobody wants the most generic white guy who just <laughs> yeah. like walks around. Are going to be Brad and Janet. Whoa. And Travis, who's going to be Janet, is like a big Neanderthal of a man. Like he is like a little sweet gay man, but he's in a big Neanderthal body. And he's going to be, uh, I always say Susan because Susan's surrounded, but he's Janet. He's Janet. So that'll okay. be funny. Yeah. yeah. He hasn't decided yet if he's going to sing high or low. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going falsetto. I'm like, use your head voice, babe. <laughs> use your head voice. <laughs> Hi, Joey. You're not. A, I don't think you turned up to say that. But that's okay. it. That's that's pretty much the whole thing. Well, I'll like y'all keep you all in the know of how. It Are goes. you going to take videos, pictures to share with? I'm the sure. Folks? I'm sure. Be, I'm think, sure. I think everybody. It'll be on the know. Discord. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like everybody should see this. <laughs> yeah, it'll be up. It'll be up. It'll be up. Yeah, that's right. Um, I don't have anything, so let's invite our guest. <laughs> I think it's time. <laughs> our guest is... We are absolutely thrilled to introduce our guest. They're the drummer for past guest Sad Snack and the mastermind behind the synth rock opera Indica and Decay, whose debut EP Act One is available everywhere right now. Elon is here. Hello, friend. Welcome back. Hey, how's it going? This is your first time uh, talking to Celine on pod because on the last episode, it was just me and Joey. But the second time talking because we met at SBI Fest smoking weed. We meet again for the first time and the last. Sorry. <laughs> so I had to do the Spaceballs reference. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I like Spaceballs. Yeah, I, let's, let's keep them going. There's Spaceball a comedian references. that has a joke, which I appreciate and relate to, is that like I saw Spaceballs first. So when I saw Star Wars, I was like, where's Dark, Dark Helmet? Like, <laughs> I had that happen. I heard, like, where's Barf? And why is this not as funny? Yeah, I believe the, yogurt? the joke is, is it's a less funny Spaceballs. It's a less funny Spaceballs. Yeah, Star Wars is where, a less funny Spaceballs. Where are my, where are my, fr- my where friends are my from friends? my childhood? Barf, yeah, and, barf and Dark Helmet. Dark, dark yeah. Helmet, yeah. I had that happen with uh, Flash Gordon. Uh, I used to buy uh, West Coast videos going out of business videos and I didn't realize that my friend and I had bought a copy of Flesh Gordon which is a porno <laughs> and so like it's a pretty I've seen Flesh Gordon yeah, yeah. and somebody I've was telling me like yeah Queen does the soundtrack to that movie I'm like bullshit Queen does the soundtrack to Flash Gordon <laughs> that's just a bunch of people having sex in outer space turns out like the real movie would be better if they just solve their problems logically like that, as opposed to throwing more costume weirdos at it. I don't know. I don't like Flesh Gordon, but Flesh Gordon's a classic. Oh they could have gotten Queen. 
much much like how one night in China is far superior to a one night in Paris. If we're throwing around classic porn references, so I worked at a I worked at a record store in my hometown of St. Paul. Classic, <laughs> classic yeah, like bro. Yeah, like I watched Debbie- a cannibal Holocaust porn. Wait, I can't what? remember what it was called. Yeah, and now I want to like it was. I know, I know. That's it was, unfortunate. Cannibal yeah. Holocaust already a porn, and it wasn't a snuff video. All right, what are we talking about? I was saying about how in in St. Paul, I worked at Sunshine Video Music Station, the video rental place, and I got a job there when I was fourteen, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, but I still like- had to stock porn. So, because it had like one of those like revolving door porn sections, which if you've never worked or been in one of those, they sm- they smelled terrible, like the worst smell I've ever smelled. <laughs> That's just so bad. But I also worked with all these like potheads uh, who are in their mid to late twenties, uh, and so they were like twice my age. So they thought it was hilarious to whenever they found a hilarious porn to play it uh, on the TVs, <laughs> and so I uh, got to watch a lot of very I mean, that strange feels like assault, porn. But- yeah. yeah, they weren't good. <laughs> like I wasn't like, oh, cool. No. Like I did. Okay, I, I, I will say I have watched porn with friends and been like, like in the background without it. Like, it sounds weird, but I don't know. That was a thing. It that was, was a thing. thing. It was, it a, was thing. a thing. And it was. It was a thing. Silly porn in the background, hanging out, drinking beers, like talking and just having it as background. Like, sounds weird. Some bars. Some bars, yeah, totally. You know, you just walk in. It it depends on the vibe, and it depends on the kind of porn you're watching, for sure. Well, we had this one that was like Golden (laughs) Showers, and it was the acting in it was like so good that we would like quote quote it all the time. Well, Debbie Does Dallas has really good acting. Yeah, there's some like a there are some classic quotes. Cruising has good has good acting, Mm -hmm. right? My. uh, yeah. My great uncle, that was the last thing he did while he was alive. It's like a true story. He waited until his uh, last son got married and then rented a copy of Debbie Does Dallas and bought like, I don't know how much Cuddy Sark, let's say a fifth for the hell of it. And then just went up to a hotel room, jerked off, got drunk and died. <laughs> that was how that's he did actually that. not the worst. I, and it was cl- like, that's classy. Kinda, yeah, like, yeah. You know? that's actually like that's a, a good classy one. porn. That's a go good one on. to go out yeah. on. Yeah. His, uh, like you wouldn't kids, be embarrassed. Right, his kids get like found. misty eyed. They're like, "Yeah, Dad, Debbie does Dallas," and I'll be like a moment of like, <laughs> somber silence, you know, like oh, it's just like one more D for the take your hat off. Debbie does Dallas, <laughs> dead. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, the, the sorry <laughs> weird tone we've set for the pod. Yeah, weird tone we've set for the pod, and I'm partly responsible for sure. I don't feel sure. bad about for sure. I know I contributed. I know as what much I've contributed. Anybody. I know who I am as a person. Uh, this is this is great. Uh, so <laughs> before we talk about your your project in decay, I just do want to talk about Sad Snack for a second. T- tell us about. SPI Fest. We were we just did our special. It just came out recently where we talked about it. But how'd you find the festival? What did you get up to when you were down there? Any any great stories to tell? We kept running into Plastic Presidents, and they're just like the nicest band ever. We had like a hotel next to them, but like the shows would go till like three in the morning. So instead of like getting up right. to some mischief, we'd just be like, "Hey, good to see you. I'm falling asleep. You guys are the right. best." I feel like you know with that many bands in one place you'd think like i guess like with the the um 
South by Southwest tech event going on around it. Everybody else was just such a drunken douchebag that it was like just wholesome times with the SPI crew, you know? Like, yeah. Did you venture out onto the block surrounding where the venue was at we, all? We did a little bit of a circle and we found out that, uh, who was it? Earl Sweatshirt was like right next to us smoking the biggest blunt in the world. Yeah, we went outside. What? We went yeah. outside, and the the guy that runs uh, the venue, sorry, I can't think of what the, the venue SPI Fest was at. Cantina, Flamingo Cantina. Cantina. Flamingo Cantina. The guy that runs the place was standing at the door, and I went outside to get some air, and he points down the street, and he goes, do you know who Earl Sweatshirt is? And I was like, Fuck. yeah. <laughs> like, I don't like, I'm not a huge fan, but like, I know who he is. And he's like, kill them all. that's him right there. <laughs> and he was just standing there smoking a really, really big joint. It was pretty cool. <laughs> Did you see the Coyote Ugly that was next to the cantina? I have a funny story. Yeah, about that. I was excited. I was, I was oh, pretty excited. Because I've Let's been catfighting like the mood light. Not like a big story, but I was like out there, like walking around, getting some air because, you know, it's like. <laughs> Between, I, I wanted to get more pollen inside of my face to feel worse, clearly. Like, you could visibly yeah. see the pollen in the air. It was crazy. You just see these, like, yellow clouds going by. <laughs> I don't know how people in Texas live with it, but, like, the barbecue is good. I guess that's the compensation. Uh, but there was, <laughs> yeah. um, like, one person in Coyote Ugly. And, like, you know that moment where you look into a bar and you're like, I'm not going in there. And then something happens you're like, I didn't go in there, but I just wish, I'm glad I witnessed this from afar. It was, you know, all the girls get on the bar to dance, but like there are no customers. So they're very much just berating the one guy that's there being like, we're doing this for us. We have to do this every hour. And they're playing Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On. And like doing a coyote ugly dance. The guy at the bar is just clearly like uncomfortable. (laughs) I know. I actually said this the other day. Sometimes like you're like the... uh, audience to something that there's like you kind of have to perform for the person performing because you're just like yeah that's <laughs> good I'm yeah and you're just like smiling at them because you don't know what else to do and you're like I can't leave and that's been a few burlesque performances I've sat through unfortunately oh, all of them. and drag and I love all performance art yeah. and it takes a lot to get up there but Sometimes you got to smile. Well I mean I've only been to a few drag sometimes shows, you got to smile gently. I, I don't know if I've been to one where it was Usually they're big shows, and usually I feel like the drag performer is saying "fuck you" to the audience. That's good. That's what it's <laughs> More good. Often than not. That's better. Yeah. Anyways, that's sad. But <laughs> Simon from yeah. uh, Blue Hair has a troupe, uh, a non-binary burlesque troupe out in San Francisco called Om Nom Nom. That's pretty delightful. It's uh, it just like. San Francisco Dragon Burlesque is fantastic. There is. Uh, oh, I can only imagine. Yeah, I unfortunately Edmonton. Yeah, our, our is a bit of a different. Is, uh, yeah, San Francisco is okay. known for its Dragon Burlesque. Even Calgary has a better burlesque yeah. scene than Edmonton and, does. Yeah. Um, what do you? What's Edmonton you go, known for? Not that <laughs> Wayne Gretzky. Uh, <laughs> like really aggro hardcore punks. Did with, you like, bulging head? Yeah. Tires. Did you go, Elon? Go to the El Casino Camino. Uh, the no. bar next door to Flamingo Cantina that was like really, really fucking punk. No, what? Was that the one that was that making kind the cool of burgers? It was, yeah, yes. the, the burger place, yeah. Word. No, I missed that. It I was pretty, it, it was dirt baggy <laughs> and punk as fuck. Like it was one of the punkest bars I've ever been to. Take Today ate there twice. It the was fucking day. good. Yeah. It was very good, but you have, but the, actually oh, apparently t- their veggie burger was really good. Yeah. Fuck, take today eats there. I gotta go back. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's why twice, I went. Twice in a day. Joe what? said it was the best burger he ever had. Honestly, that is why I went, is because Joe said it was the best burger. 
<laughs> Honestly, that was after our interview with him when he said he doesn't do fast food. And so I was like, all right, well, whatever you're getting a burger would be pretty good. I, you you made a tour. joke, but I literally went to eat the burger because Take Today. Yeah, seriously. Ate the like, you know. that did what do you mean on the road if not fast food? Do you just have peanut butter? Like, I, I've done the peanut butter and bread tour. And that sucks. Oh, yeah. And you start to like fantasize about anything else. But I can't imagine <laughs> just being like, all right. Because like tour is like the one time where you're like, you can like drive. I'm going to eat a McDonald's burger. I'm just going to do it. Like if you have other options and you eat that, maybe that's not the best move. But like if you have no other options, you know, tour makes that. Like what do you eat? What do you eat besides fast food? Is there a secret? There's got to be. There's um, got to be a secret. Weird. I don't have it weird heat like little sandwiches from convenience stores oh that's a death that's even worse it yeah. is much worse sushi? um oh, yeah I, sushi on a highway uh i'm trying to think of what we ate we mostly ate fast food <laughs> did you guys go to a bunch of bucky's as well did everybody Twice. try to like we, we got Twice, pulled into yeah. the same bucky's like three times it was great oh yeah we went twice i saw did a you... picture of earl from plastic presidents in the bucky's onesie and then i had to go back and get my own <laughs> oh man i saw that your bucky's onesie's great <laughs> um did you see the, yeah um the if you want it take it or come and take it uh flags they had were i guess it's supposed to be a cannon but it looks like a really fat baseball pre-roll like come and take it it's like yeah dude that's I funny also, i do like bob marley come and take it that's funny come and take my weed man come and take it man and then pass, pass it, it back, back. yeah hey, it's like getting the rotation bro like <laughs> you gotta stand up against all these liberals and get way more stone than them you know <laughs> Hey, if that's how they're protesting, the world would be a better place. <laughs> I hard agree. <laughs> it starts uh, as a protest that everybody's just enamored with all the colors at the drag show. Like, you know what? We're wrong. Sorry, we, we got very You know stoned. what would really what? stick it to us? Classy uh, use of Paisley. The right side? If you started microdosing, that would really piss us off. I would hate I would hate that. <laughs> Yo, for real. And like, also, like, <laughs> if the right wing got super gay, I'd be so weird. I'd be out so mad. Yeah, I'd be so mad if everybody just like, if the right wing just got really into being like trans and openly gay and accepting, I'd be I'd be mad. <laughs> I would hate you that. You guys should, would be so owned. They should do that despite me. Do you know what would be the worst? Just like, it would be the worst if they, like, were pro-choice. That would be really fucked up. <laughs> that would really grind my gears. We would, everybody who is pro-choice now would have to pretend, like, oh, no, we're not into that. No, 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 no. no. Ew. You're right. this is Ew. I don't want to look at it. Ew. What you're doing is pissing us off. Can you make the decisions for my body? I'm just a dumb lady. I can't be trusted. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let, let's shift gears. <laughs> and, uh, Ilan, let's talk about Indica and Decay. Yeah. Not off the presses as of, uh, as of us, uh, recording here. So, uh, tell the listener about the project. What were you inspired to start this? What should we get to know about? And, uh, maybe a little spoiler on the story that it tells. Sure. Yeah. Um, so... Indica and Decay is a synthesizer rock opera that I do with, uh, let's say, a handful of synthesizers. I could explain the setup, but it's it's less than five synthesizers in a drum machine. Uh, it's a live thing. Um, I've got like two stands. One of them's an ironing board. It's it's just straight up like I, I came up with this during the pandemic. Uh, I was in a few bands and everything kind of dissolved, and I had this moment to think like, what would I really want to do? And the answer was 
Depeche Mode playing Billy Joel's scenes from an Italian restaurant. I, <laughs> I mean, that sounds albums. amazing. I, I wish I could do. I'm working. I'm working on it. It's the back burner one. The, the, <laughs> yeah. the actual back burner one is always "I in the Sky" by Alan Parsons. I love synth stuff. Um, uh, Sam from the Wipers, um, who are a Portland band. Uh, years mm-hmm. ago, I was working at this dive bar. Uh, it was like a biker bar. And Sam Henry from the Wipers and Jenny Don't and the Spurs would always come in and just play like all this synthy prog rock. And like, there are like a handful of people that I really get down with and talk about synthesizers. There's like a ton of people that play synths and it's fucking awesome. It's really cool to be able to like create music in such a way. Cause like, I felt like, especially playing like punk and, and ska and metal and all these things as like a drummer, a guitarist and everything else. I just kept moving further away from this like opportunity, like, I love Depeche Mode. I love like don't Adam, even. That's like one of my top favorite bands. Is Depeche the Mode. Best. I like cried when I saw them live. Mm-hmm. I love them so. Like that, I cannot. I would write a love story about Depeche Mode. Mm-hmm. I love Dave Gunn. I love, I love his sad little, you know, heroin. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was very sexy leather daddy back in the day too. Anyway, oh my god, with the I fucking flock of seagulls haircut, but you can't yes, call it that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, anyways, I just want to. <laughs> Policy of Truth was life changing to hear. Uh, that whole album, that was like, um, let's see, like that one. Um, I was really super into uh, Adam and the Ants when I was younger. Um, oh, yeah. Jumba Wumba, actually. Like, um, <laughs> I remember coming back from an Arrogant Sons of Bitches show. My friend had bought a Jumba Wumba CD, ironically, and it was like my favorite album. He's playing it, and he's like, I'm like, I love this album. And it was like in high school, he's like, you can't like cheesy music like this. It's like ironic. And that stuck with me my whole life where it's like, what is irony at a certain point? If you like, like. I feel like it's camp a little. Yeah, I feel like Depression is Mode a- is camp. Chumbawamba is camp. To me, Indica and Decay is camp. Rocky yeah. Horror is camp. You can't really hit that ironically, though. Like, you can do it tongue in cheek. You can uh, kind of have, like. Uh, there's, there's I don't a point. think camp is irony. I do think I agree. Camp is tongue in cheek. Yeah. There's a, a level of self awareness, but I think yes. that once things become fully ironic, they almost tend to attack the source material as opposed to celebrating it. You know what I mean? Yes. John Absolutely. Waters, camp, not irony. Mm. Speaking of Rocky Horror, uh, and not to digress, but have you seen the sequel Shock Treatment? No. They made a sequel within the first couple of years of putting out the movie. It doesn't have Tim Curry. But it's about Brad and Janet. It's got um, oh shoot, I forget the the butler. Is it name. still like Riff Raff and Magento? Like Richard Riff Raff and Magento are the same actors. Um, yeah, because they're the creators. Yeah, it's got like a new wavy soundtrack. It's got more synthesizers, Ooh, cool. and they that's kind of fun. They swapped Janet out with the actress from Phantom of the Paradise, which was like one of those clincher movies. Like I was watching mm. a lot of opera trying to write this thing. The first first act. And I got super into Phantom of the Paradise. Like, if I could make any, well, okay, a lot of that soundtrack is is just weird ballads. But it's the the dude that did all of the uh, Jim Henson music, all the Muppets music, making like uh, Brian De Palma horror, Rocky Horror style musical. And uh, like, I realized a lot of what I was trying to do, like, in addition to doing this Depeche Mode thing, was trying to integrate a lot of like ragtime piano and. I grew up in a household with a lot of jazz pianists and I'm not, I, I learned to play piano during the pandemic. Like I, I have a background playing percussion. I can physically play piano. I played marimba a lot of my life, but it's different. You know, it's, it's, uh, I started play. I drums were my first instrument and kind of, you hit a certain point and Indica is this character, but so me and Indica kind of de- like go along a similar path where it's like, she's a messy drummer trying to find 
something to glom onto, like a band or a project to glom onto, which will allow her to live these dreams. You know, you, you grow up and you see, you, you love music and you see bands in, in Rolling Stone and stuff. And you think like, wow, that's a fucking lifestyle. But like the reality of it is like, you know, you're just out there expressing yourself or in Indica's case, like she isn't somebody that like rehearses too much. Like she's always around her instrument, but the concept of like, it's a party. It's like, it's, it's a lifestyle. It's not a craft or something she's working so hard on. So she realizes there are these, there's this magic guitar Excalibur that will write songs for you and they're perfect. And she meets and kind of falls for Arthur and plays music with him and his band, the Holy Grail. Um, and so he like, it's just upset that even though he's got all these like this ability to play perfect songs, people still kind of like, don't give a fuck, which is true in like music you know you can write the best songs in the world and somebody will just show up and be really charismatic and have awful music and do great and it's like not a contest in any way but you know that feeling of of why isn't it working for me that 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 you know negativity kind of permeates outwards and affects his crowds and even though he becomes very successful he winds up killing himself after indica quits the band she realizes that even though it's it is what she's always wanted and it's that path to, to success or whatever that means for her, but just being able to maintain playing music and not feel helpless. But she has to quit because she realizes that this person is just dragging himself down. And she's not surprised when he kills himself, but she's approached by the Lady of the Lake, who's the, the mythical character that gives King Arthur um, and the Knights of the Round Table, uh, well, not all the Knights, but really just Arthur. Merlin introduces Arthur to the Lady of the Lake to get the sword Excalibur. Um, yeah. Classic. Yeah. So like the first act is Indica getting the sword. But the thing, like the reason why I'm kind of going through the plot is like the gist of it is she doesn't figure out how to solve her problem. She gets handed a solution and it doesn't evolve her as a character. She, in the next couple acts, has to deal with the repercussions of not having to evolve as a person and being able to play music, but it's not really solving her problems. Because like, I think that where I started as a drummer for years, you know, I didn't, I felt like I didn't have control over the music I was making as much because like you're kind of a set of hands for like, you can't copyright a drum beat. Let's just start there. You can't like drumming is the most important thing, but also just taken for granted humongously within music. For sure. I mean, like you're telling me that the guys who wrote, we're not going to take it have copyrighted everything, but the drum beat, the drum beat is the song. Um, Yeah. But like, the, the gist of it is like that feeling of helplessness that she has. Like I, I doubled down and got really, uh, I, I taught myself guitar. I taught myself piano. I taught myself all these things to try to not feel like I was waiting for the opportunity to find the right group of people to play with and try to have more control. Um, and that, that I think is something that exists within the first act of Indica a lot is that, that vibe, like, well, I want this. Why do I want this? I mean, she doesn't think about it so much, but it's like the underlying thing. Like the characters within this rock opera don't think too deeply. The right. the, the stuff surrounding them fills in the blanks. You know, I, I like characters that have these flaws. Like all of us have these flaws. We've got this uh, sort of sensory gate around seeing what's a good idea and what's a bad idea. You know, you just, you want something really hard. In Indica's case, getting out of the suburbs and moving to a big city to play drums and follow through on some Rolling Stone magazine fantasy is, is what she wants. And when she gets it, she sees it tearing people apart and still goes for it. You know, like the Lady of the Lake is giving people these powers, kind of j- just watch them fall apart. Like she gives King Arthur this Excalibur sword so that what Lancelot can steal his wife and then he goes off and loses against his own son who 
is a weird inbred wizard. It's a mess. There's nothing <laughs> good that happens to the people Boldry. that gain these powers. But I think that's like that's something I try to do in general with like my goals and dreams is like dissect like why I want it. Like, you know, I think mm -hmm. that's like just an important thing to explore in like anything. Did one of you in the back say Modred? Mordred? No. Huh? No, oh, I thought somebody it's said Mordred. Oh, oh I said Mordred. Oh, you did. Yeah, yeah. I said Mordred. <laughs> yeah. I was like, from oh, I was like, I had to take a second that I was like, oh yeah, from from uh, King Arthur. <laughs> yeah, no, so that made my day. I uh, he's <laughs> like uh, my favorite weird character in all those. Also, he's now an X Man because X Men is all about King Arthur for some reason. So like that's our mom oddly, was really odd, into King Arthur. Oddly really? enough, one of the reasons yes, why our cat was named Guinevere. <laughs> Guinevere Galadriel, GG. So Lord of the Rings and King Arthur. She that's was right. obsessed yeah. with the story and of she, King Arthur. Well, and yes, she, she, that's our, our mother. Her favorite book is Miss of Avalon. Yeah. Which is like, a, a, it's a story about when... She also loves Lady of the Lake and well, that's what I'm, everything. So Miss of Avalon is um, when, the ki when the Knights of the Round Table are off on a quest, it's the ladies that are left behind. Mm -hmm. And the, their little, uh, whatever, they're, they're trying to solve the politics that are left behind in the in the in the kingdom. How did uh, I miss this? The mess. Yeah, the I mess read that like the men left behind. Yeah, the mess of Avalon. It's a really good book. It's awesome. Yeah, and, I read a bunch uh, of books to kind of get the vibe. Like I read the two or three of the big like um, compendiums the, of King Arthur stories. Um, the Once and Future King. That's like a really big one. Yeah, uh, yeah. Also, um, I really enjoy. I, well, uh, Connecticut Yankee King Arthur's Court's got some weird shit going on. Fucking. That's not one that I use for any kind of bassist. In fact, I'm just fascinated with the idea that, like, in Mark Twain's time, anybody off the street could assemble a telephone. Like, can you imagine? Like, he goes back in time and he's like, well, it's a good thing I know how to wire a telephone. It's like, yeah, I guess <laughs> back in the day, you'd get, like, a pamphlet on how to set something up electronically in a box full of it. And, like, you'd have to do all the repairs yourself, right? Interestingly enough, a lot of what I know about King Arthur was from a rock opera. <laughs> what? <laughs> was Home from, movies? No, from uh, from the album Excalibur by Gravedigger, which is Ooh. a concept album about King Arthur. I was going to ask, Elon, <laughs> did you see the rock opera episode of Home Movies? Yeah, not in a long okay. time, though. I must admit. <laughs> that's very good. I also was going to ask you about Repo the Genetic Opera. I, I know uh, that's more... don't like the music to that one. I, I didn't when I saw it years ago, and I, I can't say... What are, what are your uh, go-to rock operas? Like, yeah. Especially when you were like, preparing for this, what were the ones that kind of stuck out that you were trying you to know, go with, for? I uh, So to begin with, like in, I, uh, years ago, I found... So the Kinks have a really good rock opera period. Uh, they may yes. or may not have invented mm -hmm. the rock opera with Arthur, but... Um, Oddly enough, another Arthur one. That, that wasn't intentional, but uh, Arthur, the, the decline and fall of the Victorian era is a pretty yes. solid one. Uh, I absolutely love what they did with Preservation Societies, part one and two. I don't necessarily think that it's like the greatest rock opera, but I really love that it's like they switch perspectives around and it's a fucking mess. I, anything that isn't uh, based on the wall or the who. There's this thing with rock operas where it's about finding a voice, which I tried to play around with where it's like, Tommy, you know, you got uh, this guy, he can't, he's, he's deaf, dumb and blind, but he, he develops a cult around him, but it has nothing to do with him personally. At the end of it, he finds his voice, the wall, this guy gets like isolated from everybody else because of like childhood trauma and then becomes really hateful after becoming a rock star and then finds out who he is. Uh, say anything is a real boy is a fucking rock opera. I love growing up. It's about a guy who, 
can now express himself perfectly through music and becomes famous, but ultimately his self-expression is the problem that he has because it tears people away from him. Like there's this thing about rock operas where it's ultimately a bit navel-gazy about like uh, making music. Um, it's always about can... music, yes. Yeah, in like a weird true. way. Yeah. I mean, I think the other thing with rock operas is there's just not as, it's not as prolific, right? Like uh, you kind of have to find, you go, they've been around for a long time. I know, it's an interesting it's like, genre to think yeah. about actually. The like, concept what album. What about Meatloaf? Ooh, Ooh, Paradise by the Dashboard Light. Yeah, right? What about, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Elon got Yeah. <laughs> that's that operetta man. vibe. I mean, like that Billy yeah. Joel's uh, scenes from an Italian restaurant. When I was a kid, uh, that was like my favorite. It still is. Like I don't, it, Regionally, they used to play that one on the radio where I was growing up. So you'd get like a, a seven-minute Billy Joel song on the radio because New York. Um, I fucking love the shit out of that. Like, I, I miss it. Like in other cities, people be like, I have to ask you, like, well, you've never heard that seven-minute Billy Joel song? They don't, they don't just play that out here for no reason because they're worried there might be some kind of a riot if they don't? Whoa. <laughs> I got to pop in and say, uh, <clears throat> for a Canadian awesome um, rock opera, um, Boys Net Out Trainwreck is really good. All it's, right. It's, like, it's, yeah. it's an emo album, but it's, like, about a guy that uh, – kills his wife in a psychosis and then cuts off his own hands and then kind of his recovery and fuck so yeah it, it's fucking it's super gnarly and it's really it's a really tight early aughts emo record and it fucking it fucks so listen to it it's good there's a taxpayer sorry there's a sorry. taxpayer's folk punk rock opera i forget what it's called i'm looking it up now as uh they're great they're a portland band uh that was on quote unquote jeff rosenstock's label for a minute for oh, one yeah. of their albums um to can bring I, it back home <laughs> can i use that as the best transition ever yes uh, <laughs> we're gonna talk about arrogant sons of bitches today why Ooh. did you select that band for us to to cover uh what's their significance I think I've seen that band more than any other band uh, I've ever seen on stage. I was uh, just obsessed as a kid. I, I caught them uh, at a good point. To, I, I saw them steadily pretty much every weekend for about three years between four years between 2003 and 2007. And they're still just top tier ska punk there. I, I can say it. I don't have to be objective. They might be the best. <laughs> it's uh this was a an interesting band to go back and talk about so we did part of bomb the music industry already once before so this is almost like a rewind from that like it's a story within a story like the odyssey where we're like <laughs> going into the story a little bit and then pulling back to show where it all kind of came from well, i told um, you when i got i think yeah. i told you last time i got offered to be the drummer in bomb the music industry like offhand but like by uh, by jeff one time after his show did, That's sweet. I walked out. I, I was I like, I, I was like seventeen, flattering. and like the arrogant sons of bitches had just broken up, and Bond the music industry was playing with. Uh, it wasn't like he offered. I, I very much inserted myself in the conversation, and he was like, <laughs> "Clean up his merch table." And I was like, "I noticed you don't have a drummer. I'm good." <laughs> yeah. And like, he's like, "He's like, yeah, yeah all right. I can hit play on my iPhone." Yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, right. And good. so he was like, "You made a right. good point. You are good." <laughs> Like, if you uh, want to, I'm going to go move down south and record an album in Georgia. And I've got, like, a spot I'm going to move to. Just drop everything and move in with me and we'll do this. And, like, I don't know if damn. he was just giving, like, a worst case, like, a, a not like a worst case, but a, um, 
uh, this is the com- I think it sounded like this is the commitment level I need from somebody. Does that sound good? And at the time, I was like, No, I'm gonna go to college, and I have a degree. I don't use. <laughs> and he, he's just like another one. Yeah. <laughs> Keep going yeah. to college. I don't uh, think I would have been a good drummer at that point for what he was doing. The person that showed up and did it was great. When I was younger and I was playing drums, I was indica. I was just like a messy. I don't know. I was I was institutionalized as a kid. I was like fat. I had all sorts of problems. I hadn't come out yet, and like. It just having people accept you as who you are and being a part of a party and feeling as though you're normal meant more to me than really trying to take music to the next level. So as much as I really loved going to these shows, I don't know that I would have been any help to anybody at that point as a drummer. (laughs) I know. There's a lot of things that you're like, oh, like if only I had like at the time you're like wanted that opportunity and you realize later on you're like, thank God I didn't do that. Like, oh my God, I wanted it so bad. And like, thank God that didn't happen. Like, I was not <laughs> that, in the right place that to do that. That was not the right version of me. To no, 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 <laughs> no. Should we head into the time, Skoshin? Let's do it. All right. So for today, we're talking about the arrogant sons of bitches. And I uh, pulled a lot of uh, material from the internet, mostly from things like Last FM, uh, the quote unquote website. Punks in Vegas did a retrospective with uh, Jeff on arrogant sons of bitches. And then uh, there's an awesome Village Voice interview that he did that has a lot of really good stories about this time of their about his career who I'm talking about, we'll talk, we'll discuss in a second. <laughs> I realize I didn't actually talk about who Jeff is. I just mentioned his name a couple times. Um, so one thing I'll mention is that this band's material is, is, is a little challenging to get online. You, uh, you can definitely stream their last album. You can get a couple uh, records by donation on the quote unquote website. Uh, YouTube has, the complete discography to play that's like an hour long uh all disconnected um but the thing is is like all their music was kind of released in in spits and spurts uh so what i'm going to try to do is uh try to be chronological with the with the material so we're going to start at the beginning and work our way to the end as things do (laughs) but i'll be uh pulling out from various little releases here and there so that we can kind of uh hear their their growth as a band. Um, But uh, it'll be a little bit, if you're trying to listen at home, this won't be that easy to find. Um, But if you can find it, good job. The Time Scotchine takes us back to the sandy beaches of Long Island. New York, that is. A high school Green Day cover band is just shooting the shit and dicking around. The band at first is just friends, Jeff Rosenstock and Joe Werfelman. Um... Uh, over time, the duo's love of ska punk, DC hardcore, and early emo indie rock uh, convinced them to bring on more and more members, cru- including Chris Baltras on the bass, John Dominici on the drums, Dave Dickerman on trombone, Steve Connolly on the trumpet, and then Jeff taking over sax and Joe on guitar. Uh, Jeff handled most of the vocals, but obviously this band had a lot of people singing and shouting all the time, uh, so there was kind of everybody all at once. Here's what Jeff said about this early moment. I remember there was this kid who I used to take swim lessons with, or my brother used to take swim lessons with. And when I got to high school, he was friends with some of my friends and were kind of punk people. But the punk rock kids in my high school really didn't like me that much because I was a weirdo. 
I was socially awkward Relatable. and wasn't yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was I like, was, Ooh. Yeah, I know this this really hit home when I <laughs> okay. read this. I was socially awkward and Drag wasn't me. wasn't like a tough guy. And there was a lot of tough punks in high school. So yeah. this would have been in the early nineties, right? Uh, that's all blown over, and I was probably imagining that. But this kid who my brother used to take swim lessons with uh, would go to lunch. So me and his friend were eating Chinese food and thinking I was trying to be a cool guy. I was like, yeah, I'm going to have a band, and we're going to be called the Arrogant Sons of Bitches. We're going to have a curse word in our name, and it's going to be fucking awesome. <laughs> and he's like, uh, okay, whatever, dude. And that was then, and that was it. Uh, that's uh, He said, that guy's name is Sean Cooper, who's from Taking Back Sunday. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Uh, which I thought was a fun little turn. Okay. During this time, there was a revolving door of musicians. And one story goes that former drummer Patrick Santiago was forced to quit after one of the band members broke into his house and stole all his amplifiers. Uh, since they were in high school, he was still living with his parents and they weren't too pleased about the situation and told him to quit all of his bands. <laughs> um, so Jeff said this about these early days. A lot of Jeff quotes. There were no parameters. We didn't start out saying that we wanted to be a ska band. It was just me and Joe. We were hanging out with each other and writing songs and playing with other drummers who would quit every three weeks. That never stopped. We really wanted to hang out with each other and play some music. I know I talked about boss tones a lot, but Everclear was just as important to both of us when we were starting. <laughs> there wasn't like a let's be a ska band kind of thing until we were writing songs. It was like, oh, all our songs kind of sound this way. The really early stuff, which hopefully will never see the light of day. There wasn't that much ska happening. Then we brought in Chris, the sax player, who was also a good buddy when we were kids. And when we talk about music, it'd be like, if you are if you have horns in every song, you're probably going to have some ska songs. So fast forward a few years and the band cobbled together its demo recordings to issue the album Built to Fail uh, on a $1,000 budget. It's crude recording, masked the band's innovation with wild over-the-top arrangements, getting comparisons to... Catch-22, Big D in the Kids' Table, and Slapstick. Coupled with their infamously wild live shows, they began to tour New England aggressively in the waning years of the Summer of Ska with tri-state favorites like Edna's Goldfish, The Toasters, and the aforementioned Catch-22. Let's listen to a Built to Fail song. This is called I Pissed in Your Mountain Dew. (laughs) (laughs) And told you it was raining. (laughs) (laughs) That's my rock opera. <laughs> it's good if you can judge Judy get... rock opera. <laughs> oh my god! Wait, Judge Judy rock opera is genius. <laughs> you know that the studio pays for all the the settlement money. I've had some friends, yes. like uh, friends of friends, uh, ran a scam on the People's Court for that one time. It's like, actually the best thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> or you can do it just because you have a conflict with somebody else. And, like, you know, you have to sign, like, non, uh, what do you call it? Non-arbitration <laughs> forms so they can't oh, yeah. court afterwards. So I, I remember playing Built to Fail for my wife one time, and she said, this sounds like shit. <laughs> yeah. That was her review. <laughs> it somehow sounds better than pornocracy, though. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> I actually love how rough Built to Fail sounds. I think it's endearing. Yeah. I love how they just are like playing as fast as they fucking can. Yeah, absolutely. And just like stop starting, like changing tempos midway through the song. Like they just do not give a fuck. No. (laughs) Why should you? It's Um, like way more Baroque than other bands. I mean, it's Baroque as fuck, but Baroque in this way where it's like, you know, a lot of other ska bands, especially on the scene, were playing like these like 
chunky ass fucking third wave ska punk songs. You know, you get upstrokes on the verse, fucking distortion pedal on the chorus. You wrote a song, but like that's everywhere. That song is yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they would just like go. That's more fun yeah. to me. It'd be like hard. It'd be hard clean, hard clean, hard clean. Like it, and you just couldn't predict where the song was gonna go. It would end in a weird place. Like some songs will be a minute and a half, and you're like, oh, okay, it's over now. So and I'm some like songs will not be like three minutes. Familiar yeah. with them. No, this is your first time listening? Yes. Oh, cool. yes. interesting. Yeah. And? It's good. I feel like I need to, I feel like I'm having a hard time like processing it. I feel like I want to know like, so it like, like, you know, more background. It, Can I tell you what we so, used to tell people uh, when, so we, we would go to high school, like we, when we got into this band and we would just grab as many people as we could and we'd drive down to the venue and people would say the same shit like, what are you bringing us to? Like, we're excited to go see a show, but what is this? And yeah, like, like, what is it? What is it? <laughs> every time we'd be like, you know, you're going to, you know, when you hear it, it's absolutely nuts. Like everybody dives off the stage, but like there's one song and they say, everything is always falling apart. If you get in on that mm-hmm. one, you got this. And like, that was okay. a, a, like, so let's go nowhere is very much like the, the, their single. Can you describe like what a set would have been like to see? Like I'm I'm envisioning like a wild band, but like I've seen some wild bands and like this band is prolifically wild. Like can you describe what a set would have been like? Uh yeah, okay. So there's like two different kinds of sets. They had every year they do a Halloween show where they dress up as a famous band and cover all of that band as many of that band's songs as they could while pretending Very to fun. be that band. Put, put a pin in that because that will come up much later oh, in the podcast. I have, yeah. I have some of those <laughs> albums and I was at oh, a few yeah. of those shows. I fucking but but um basically like you'd get like as many people as you could cram onto a stage and like the trombone player was a bigger dude who would hold the microphone between his chest, like pushed together and like keep fucking like like Dave would just fucking wail. And like JT would do this stuff. The keyboard player would do handstands on the keyboard and then like give people the keyboard and run around the audience. And then like have a moment where he'd look back on stage and like he was backing up Jeff's vocals, uh, JT. And you could always see him being like, oh no, I've gone too far. I need to get my instrument back. And like crowd surf and try to like grab it out of people's hands and shit. Like it was <laughs> well, like- that sounds fun. It was chaos. That would definitely sell me. Yeah, I guess like, I don't think this is an album you can like- appreciate with a quick run through no uh, some albums you can it's still fun and it's fast and like i enjoyed it but i feel like i need to give it more time if, what it is is what the complete discography so if, if you got the complete discography or the self-titled however you want to call it the built to fail is not on the physical version of it it's on the mp3 attached to the physical version of it uh so you have to like actually dig even deeper to find it <laughs> like it's like a an add-on to a thing that you have to acquire the I mean, discovery have you was so cool priced? too the yeah. the fucking cd and shit like i don't know like they had like maybe like five or six cds ever and that one had like everything on it and they were still selling the other cds it was like uh yeah. i'd love to but i've got them all right here and jeff said that he was shocked to find out that people would buy multiple versions. He's like, we sold like 6,000 CDs when we were still around. He's like, it's like kind of wild to think about because a lot of those albums have like the same three songs. <laughs> well, I have like three different copies of pornography for sure. Like there's the main one. There's the one on the uh, uh, discography. I take it back only two. And then there's like two or three songs that are still on a band camp or um, MySpace. Sound uh, pure volume. There's a pure volume page out there with the unreleased ones. They're on YouTube now, but like for a while, that was like like gold. Being like, all right, well, here are the ones that never wound up on an album. I got into this band 
when the, the three cheers came out. So, well, I guess I'll save for when I first heard them because MySpace played a big part into how I discovered this band. Okay. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, very strange thing. I, my my entry points into Scar are, are, can be kind of strange, um, mostly internet. I'm going to tell you my MySpace username, and then you all have to guess what. <laughs> okay, just Alan, because you already know, has to guess what genre of music I was into at the time. All right, okay, shoot. go for it. Horror peep show. <laughs> Ooh, um, I'm going to say whatever bands are playing behind a Suicide Girl show. Yeah, so Psychobilly. <laughs> oh, Psychobilly was like fucking. Um, I miss the horror pops so much. I was. Just I love the horror bit. pops. I actually have re-listened and like honestly, it holds up. Does it really? I, I, I feel I like if I play it for someone else, they're like, "What is this?" And I'm like, "No, it's good." Girl, you walk like a zombie. <laughs> you talk like a zombie. Yeah. It's not a in your head. You're a living dead. Indica might like horror pops. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I like, mean, I think you you you, you really relate to Indica. <laughs> I do relate to Indica. I've always i've i've been i've been relating to Indica as a character. As a character, that's great. Like she's my favorite. Whenever things go wrong, like whenever I'm shook out of like any comfortability lately, because I haven't had any level of comfortability in years. It's been fantastic to be like, whoa, cool. This is just another day. Uh, I'm like, ah, oh, some indica stuff. Like, literally, like waking up and like sitting there with like a hangover and a cigarette is like an indica moment. You know, she's she's a vibe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she you... my early twenties. I yeah. was indica basically. She's I like... was like, I'm 33 now, so things are a little different. But like 16 to 23, I was indica basically. <laughs> I did the math on it a little weird when I was writing it, but the 15 years of mop water was me doing math about how long I'd been mopping floors in one way or another. Like, I mean, yeah. I've had every job at this point. Like, well, no, every job, but good jobs. Um, and like fucking, um, I realized she'd be in her mid thirties and that's where a lot of the desperation is kind of coming mm-hmm. from at that point is she's been doing yeah. it, doing that for too long, you know, maybe Oof, her liver's yeah, going to get that out. Sounds- so tiring. Right. I was doing that this whole time. Man, it wouldn't be good. Yeah, sometimes you see that stuff or you think about doing it and you're like, oh, I just feel tired. I am tired. I, ti- like- I am tired. I'm just tired all the time anyway. Uh, when you were younger and you heard people say stuff like, oh, I had a cigarette last night. Now I feel like shit. I, I don't know about you. I always thought that was like laughable. And now I'm like, I get that. Well, I smoked one and I'm, I I feel like shit. What have I oh, done? Yeah. I'm a, Joey's looking at me because I don't smoke, but I like do smoke. I also don't do shots. But every time, every time I'm drunk, I want to do a shot. Every time I'm drunk, I want a cigarette. You do shots. I know. I everyone, know this is it. Everyone, from. everyone's like, you're the one who does the most shots. I know. And I'm I like, I don't like <laughs> shots. I do this like I I've that only recently yes I said I don't do sh- I said well I made I'm not that hungover because I didn't do shots last night and then Chris was like you did a shot with me you gave me a shot I saw you doing shots at least two other times oh, did and y'all then do I shots was, with the Dev Scott Morph suit dude as well because that was that was like hanging out with me I don't it, it know. made me so happy I don't probably yeah probably yeah I think I did <laughs> I that was such a good weekend like. Uh, the whole the whole band was like so jacked up with sinuses that like it was like just take more cold medicine and so like when you when we hung out we were smoking I was like this is great I ate too many edibles and I'm on a bunch of cold medicine we all are the nicest vibe <laughs> so Texas so Texas to have a bunch of cold medicine yeah it was I, a write off after like the fourth shark bite yeah they uh, they sell it to you in a cowboy hat <laughs> it's the Nyquil cowboy hat it's it's a super <laughs> that's lean. Uh, so back no, to, it's back Texas. To it's bigger. Yeah. Yeah. 
So while on the road, the band recruited more and more members uh, with John moving to co-guitar and Mike Costa taking over on the drums. There's a bunch of other drum changes, but I don't want to. There's so many. Um, <laughs> this was around the time when Chris Valentino joined on on the sax and JT came on for the keyboard. So he didn't record on Built to Fail, but from then on, he would record on everything. Uh, this massive multi-person unit, which I lost count. Uh, some They have like like Big D at this time had the same thing when you'd look at like the list of members and it would be like 15 and some people would, would be on this track and not this track. It was, it was wild. Um, so they uh, released their sophomore album, Pornocracy, self-released and issued regionally. The production uh, was about as large as you can imagine for this kind of a group. Uh, 17 tracks, uh, pretty, uh, pretty, yeah, anyway. The bulk of the complete discography is Pornocracy uh, plus Extra. And this is what oh, Jeff man. had to All say about it. All the ones are rotting is the best one. That EP. Yeah. Oh, that's coming up next. Okay, sorry, sorry, uh, sorry, sorry. sorry. <laughs> on, so Jeff said this on Pornocracy. I'm just saying the word bitch and slut so much on that record. Mm-hmm. I'm saying gross stuff. I was such an angry kid. Aww, okay, I wouldn't well, say those words now. And it will be weird when I have to say those words at shows. And it just kind of is what it is. It's like, all right, I guess that's what that's going to be. I don't feel too bad about writing bad rhymes. But calling shit gay or what's up, bitch, or that girl's a slut, that's the kind of shit I got over in high school. But lucky for me, all of my adolescent feelings are recorded and played back to me later. <laughs> I wish Aaron Barrett would say this. I had that album. Uh, I went to go see them with this girl I was, like, super into in, like, like high school, like, freshman year, you know, and you're, like, you're awkward. You don't know how to tell somebody you like them. And the opportunity slips through your fingers if it ever was there. And, like, we'd gone to the show with, like, one of my best friends at the time. And like, I just bought that album and I was walking through past, you know, the uh, ubiquitous couches that you see at all ages shows. And there's like my friend, this girl I'm really into, who's also my friend, like we're friends or we, I don't know, I've lost touch with everybody, but like, and they're hooking up and I'm like, fuck, fuck, life is, life is so she, you know, like, like high school (laughs) angst. And I remember like going home and like being in a dark room and like, you know, when you're, when you're a kid and you're like dealing with heartbreak or whatever, whatever you want to call that feeling, you don't know how to deal with it. And so no. like, I remember just sitting there and I had this brand new copy of Pornocracy and I was like, this will cheer me up. And I like listening to it on a stereo <laughs> in a dark room being like, this is not helping in any way. <laughs> like, can you imagine like sitting there and being like, you know how like when you're like sad, especially as a kid, sometimes the world slows down around you and then you're playing the most abrasive, up-tempo, angry ska music you could buy at that point, without, you know. <laughs> Man, like back in the day, you have to go to like Interpunk. Uh, I got all the yep. Big D albums to like Interpunk because uh, fucking uh, Virgin Megastore. I went there one time wearing this Arrogant Sons of Bitches shirt that I had. Uh, so I grew up in New Jersey, uh, like 40 minutes from New York. And you could catch a bus uh, from where my folks house was to Times Square. Uh, I would take like two hours. Uh, and like uh, my folks were both New Yorkers. Uh, they were born and raised. And so... They moved to New Jersey because they, I mean, like, I can vouch, like, 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 inner city kids have the craziest fun. They have these amazing lives. My folks were like, we think we can manage suburban kids. We don't know if we can handle having kids that, like, have access to a whole city all the time. So we're just going to, so they, 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 they hate New Jersey, but they still live there. And uh, I would go to New York and uh, um, I was wearing, like, an Arrogant Sons of Bitches shirt. I think I was going to go see, like, a streetlight show or something. And uh, I was with, like, two of my friends. And this crew rolls up on me as I was buying a copy just to further the Scott thing. I was buying a copy of Metalliska. Do you remember that compilation? Yep. 
Yeah. We talked about it on a recent episode. That's oh, so that's funny. A, that's a good comp. <laughs> uh, I love Thumper's version of the Trooper where they just don't remember the words as they're going. Um, <laughs> at one point, they changed the lyrics to, you get so funky, yeah, you get so funky. It's awful. It's so good. Um, <laughs> but like somebody tapped me on the shoulder and was just like, hey, you like that band? And I was like, on my shirt? Yeah. They're like, you know who I am? And I was like, no. Because like, I don't know, I like when you're younger and you go to a lot of shows, I never like worship people as heroes. Like they're my heroes musically. When I put the music on, it's the most important thing. And I know some people, but like, I don't, I don't have music heroes. I like that too. I don't, I try, like sometimes I'm like, it'll take me like a couple years. I'm like, oh, that's what they look like. Yeah. I, I think it's a better attitude to have. Like when I see people propped up as front people in groups, a lot of the time I see them as as moving targets in a way where it's like, you might look good doing what you're doing now, but eventually, like, I don't know how to express it, but it's like, it's so performative in a way where right, it's right. like, like, I don't sure. know, is, is somebody that I think of all the time where it's like, they prop that guy up for his, he, uh, he got really into the idea of his band got stolen for Bow Wow Wow. He, he was going through electroshock treatment in a, in a, a um, in a sanitarium broke out, started a band. They're awesome. And then they got stolen by Malcolm McLaren, but from the Sex Pistols and created Bow Wow Wow. So this guy's diehard set on getting famous. He starts lip syncing really hard, gets super famous, and eventually plays for the Queen of England. And his guitarist gets sick of it, throws the guitar on the ground, smashes it. And the rest of the band has to keep lip syncing. There are all these videos of, of Top of the Pops and stuff where you see this guy have to incorporate dance moves. At a certain point, I don't know, like when you see people in the front of bands, they're, they're straw men. They're there to get torn down almost, you know? Like, so I don't, I don't right. see the musicians. It feels a little puppety. Like yeah. Yeah. You know, like if you're making music or doing all this stuff, like performance is one thing, but to a certain extent, I, 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 I like authors. I like people that are a little bit more behind the scenes with it that like have this, this wealth of, of knowledge that you see kind of dribbled out in little like increments of art. And I don't want to have to see them as like, I don't want to have to know what all these folks have for breakfast. Fuck that noise, you know? But like, so like, you know, I, I don't know this person when they're tapping me on the shoulder. And I was like, now, why you ask? He's like, it's my fucking band. And it was like Jeff Rosenstock and two of his friends. And they were there to go see like the Streetlight Show too. And I'd been like <laughs> walking through Tower, the Virgin Megastore wearing his band's shirt. And like, like <laughs> what the fuck? And like, he wasn't like, acting hard about it, but it was like very defensive. Like it's a very like New Yorker, New Jersey type thing. Like growing up where I grew up, you couldn't tell people you were from New Jersey. You had to tell them you were a New Yorker. And if they didn't believe you, you had to come up with a place in New Jersey that was just way tougher than where you were from. Like I used to just say, <laughs> I remember like one time I was getting hassled in uh, Manhattan by some like douchebag because I'm a Brit- I'm a bridge and tunnel kid. You know, I grew up out there. I, I there's what, what are you going to do about it? Like, it's not like I'm going to move out when I'm five and get an apartment in New York to prove a point. Um, but like, you know, he was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Bridge and tunnel asshole. I'm like, yo, man, I'm from Patterson, which is a pretty like, you know, that would be it was a murder capital for a while. There are a lot of murder capitals. In, in oh, we're a murder capital. You're a murder capital? That's so yeah. cool. Is it like a we specific d- kind? Stabby. 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 Very oh, stabby. And we've word. actually been like extra stabby lately. Anyways, yes. I think I think Patterson Edmonton was... is kind of hard. <laughs> oh, yeah? I right, respect. <laughs> well. <laughs> yeah. No, but it is stabby. Yeah. We are, <laughs> no, we're very don't respect s- us. Please don't. I, we'll I either key your car or stab you. Those are the no, two biggest. Don't res- we yeah. don't deserve respect. I think I know which one I'd prefer, but like, you know. It was anyway. Oh. Yeah. So like I, I 
you would always tell people you're from a tough part of New Jersey. I the minute you said key in the car, I thought of uh, so I'm in San Francisco now, and there's that song "Sell Out" by No Effects about uh, a bar, a punk bar we like here called uh, the Parkside, keying Fat Mike's car with the word "sell out." I'm always like, I hope that's a true story. That'd be so funny. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine you're like bartending? You're like, fuck you, Fat Mike. And you're like, I bet you he's parked outside. You go outside and just key his car. That'd be funny <laughs> as hell. Very funny. And you know Fat Mike was going to write a, a, a song about it. Like, that's the best part. You're just like, I'm going to do this. I feel good about it. And it'll be immortalized forever. It's a win for everyone. That's right. Josh from Sad Snack has some stories about Fat Mike coming to buy shoes at Josh's old shoe store and just being like, like to random customers, like, hey, do you know me? I'm in a punk band. Like, my, my punk <laughs> oh, band no. is so tough. Check out this song. It's called Lies and Louise. Like, okay, <laughs> the last part was improv. But yeah, he's a. I was so like... That was another person, like, you know, growing up around, like, seeing the Arrogant Sons of Bitches and, like, local ska bands. Like, before that, it was only, like, I don't know, like, Fat Records bands and a few other bands, like, on a national level. But getting tapped in to see what, like, local bands were doing was amazing. And having such a caliber of talent moving around, it's like, fuck my head up. I don't, I don't know if I'll ever be okay. <laughs> <laughs> we should listen to a Pornocracy song before we uh, go to a break. So, I, uh, I got Co-Ska. Why not? Let's listen to Go-Ska. They like to tell jokes at this point in their career. So fast. And then just slow down. God, I like remember all these monsters. I used to stage dive and like, with, like when there would be like these pits, my friends and I would just ironically go into the middle of like people beating the shit out of each other and start doing the Macarena and shit. <laughs> Like, I, the biggest form of aggression doing the Macarena. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you pulled it up now, I would I would say that you're doing it at me, not with me. <laughs> yeah, have you ever had somebody Macarena at you? It's abusive. I just was. I was looking at them doing the Macarena. <laughs> That's where the camera would have yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah, we were really missing out on this one. Sorry to, <laughs> sorry to all of the the guests tuning in with the Patreon and stuff. Aggressive macarena. That's I a feel great like movie. Mambo Number no. Five is the modern macarena, even though there's no dance. Like the there's no choreography. <laughs> really? Yeah. No. Yeah. Like the I feel like much later. No. Within a year of each other. What about the Scat Man? Pretty sure Macarena was like 92, 93, and then uh, the Macarena other one was comes like off 97, 80s to me. 98. No, Macarena I'm, was like early 90s for sure. Because I remember learning was 93. it in. Whoa. Yeah, I learned it in elementary What's school. What's Mama Number 5? 98? I would have been old enough to like remember it coming out, and I was born in 90, so it's got to be like late 90s. Uh, oh, shit. Early, I'm so sorry. Early um, aughts. I found the sample date. The sample is dated as 1950. <laughs> well, I know. Well. Yeah, yeah. Lubega, san- it's a sample from 1950. Uh, I just get uh, Wikipedia. Why is this information so hard. It's yeah. Rob's also on the Wikipedia. Yeah, uh, 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 99, 99, 99. 99. Yeah, Lu- <laughs> so Apparently, super, super after. According to his so Wikipedia, Lubega later. started in 1988. So that's 11 years of waiting for Mambo number five. <laughs> <laughs> He had Mambo number one, Mambo number two. Just it's, is like one of these will do it. I'm just like 
yeah. It sounds <laughs> like, like a Gabriel Prince Garcia Plus. Marquez novel, like a hundred years of waiting for Mambo number five. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. <laughs> and when we get back, more arrogant sons of bitches. Oh, hey, oh, what the fuck you do with your life these days? Oh, hey, oh, what the fuck you do with yourself? This episode of Checkered Past is brought to you by Blendjet. Slynn, you like to make smoothies. I make smoothies every single morning. Tell me about your smoothie journey. Well, I it's my only way I can get vegetables in my body because I like yummy brown golden fried delicious things. So I often call it my scurvy juice to prevent scurvy. What do you put in your smoothies every morning? Um, well, I am a little spinach bitch and a banana. Uh, pro tip, bananas make every smoothie taste good. Okay, banana, chocolate oat milk, and some like legit peanut butter, a little bit of spinach. You're laughing and that tastes like a delicious treat. Well, I just got a blend jet. What? And I've actually been able to make my smoothies fresher because I'll put the ingredients in and take it with me to work because it's portable. And I'll make my smoothie like right, right, right before I drink it. You hit the nail on the head because Blendjet 2 by Blendjet is portable. So you can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or even a margarita on the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice and frozen fruit with ease. Blendjet 2 is whisper quiet. So you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. Lasts for 15 blends and recharges quickly via USB-C. Best of all, Blendjet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap and you're good to go. We got a couple Blendjet 2s. I got mine with like the black marble. It's like a fancy like it's very, faux marble Yeah, it's, it's got like kind of some doodly energy to it, yeah, I guess. a little mask. Uh, it's a little mask. I'm not a, always masked. I have masked. a leopard print I got, one. I do some fems. Leopard print? Talk to me about your leopard print. It's pretty fucking fun. There was another leopard print there was that we, another were, one. we were spying. I, but like it was rainbow leopard. It was Lisa fucking Frank. Lisa fucking Frank, Lisa y'all. Fucking Frank. There's all kinds of crazy ass colors. That's one of the best things about Blendjet too. So here's what you need to do. Go to blendjet.com and grab yours today. And be sure to use the promer code. The promer code. Use that promer code checkered12 to checkered get 12% 12. off your order and free two-day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power, and innovation of the Blendjet 2. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with the Blendjet 2 portable blender. Go to blendjet.com and use the code CHECKERED12 Checkered 12. to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. Shop today and get the best deal ever. Get it for your scurvy juice. Lisa fucking Frank. <laughs> Welcome back to Checkered Past. We're here with Elon of Indica in Decay. Celine is with me, and we're talking arrogant sons of bitches. We just finished talking about the Pornocracy album. So up at this point with the band, uh, Jeff has stated on a couple occasions that they are probably a little bit more lyrically uh, juvenile, <laughs> we'll say. Um, but they still are kind of honing to this idea that anybody can play with them, anybody can have a good time. You hop on stage, you go crazy, you go home. Uh, that's kind of their um, their vibe at this point. So slowly, the band member commitments become harder and harder as college entered the picture. So remember, most of them are still in high school. And the lineup became erratic. A version of the group with, jo- uh, I don't know how to pronounce this guy's last name, Joe Bove, Bove? on guitar issued the Apology, Apology EP in 2001 
and an even more stripped back lineup issued all the little ones are rotting EP in 2002. This year saw them attempt to record a lot of material unsuccessfully, including an unreleased self-titled EP, a re-recording of Built to Fail. This was also the year they played a Taking Back Sunday cover set, which uh, if you read that one, that's pretty fun. But here's what Jeff said before we get into this pair of EPs. Uh, Without getting too nostalgic about the old days, it really amazes me how many copies of these songs we sold. I think it was around five or 6,000, maybe even more. I remember sitting on my parents' living room with snack trays, hair dryers, and cellophane to make shrink wrap on the original presses. I remember getting rejection letters from labels time and time again. I remember that when we had three release shows for each incarnation of these songs, we never had the CD on time for any of them. One time it was because the Glass Master Place was working on Aerosmith's big ones and couldn't do ours in time. <laughs> um, so this, so yeah, Apology and All the Little Ones Are Rotting is what also makes up the complete discography. We have a couple songs here. Let's play um, RSTLNE uh, to kind of kick off the conversation. So they're playing around with more stuff. Sounds. Yeah. <laughs> You can see how I got all the synth vibe. I was like, wait, you can do what with what? Also, like, <laughs> the Bob the Music Industry stuff had so much synthesizers. Like, the first two or three albums were like, um, I think Happy Arboretum Day. Uh, to Leave or Die in Long Island is like the synthesizer one. That one's amazing. Oh, yeah. Um, I think I said that, that was maybe my favorite one. I really like that record a lot. I don't think I, I, all of their early ones are definitely my favorites. They're a mess and it's a guy with a laptop, but there's something so good about it. The other ones, the other ones are great. They're great albums. They don't have a bad album, but you know what I mean? They'll be more remembered for like adults and that kind of stuff. Cause that's the ones that the, like, uh, like Pitchfork would say are great albums, right? Yeah. Adults is kind of a perfect album in its own way. Like there isn't a bad song. Uh, the synthesizer intro to the first time I met Santa Juan's kind of almost got the stuff that Toledo Guy in Long Island does. It's a good song. Yeah, listening that's to that fun. again, I realized like I was thinking about the other day with the new Devin K songs about how like uh, the Arrogant Sons of Bitches wrote a lot of songs about being in a band. There were a lot of songs yes. about what it meant to deal with record labels and about all these things. And as a kid, like or as, as like a teen listening to these, I felt more jaded than I think uh, them and Against Me's um, Searching for a Former Clarity album was out at about that time. And you got this vibe where a lot of people were upset with what the record industry looked like and to look at it as having changed like like sea change within a couple of years to to uh radiohead to bring it back to a band that the arrogant sons of bitches cover coming up with a way to sell album basically coming with a band camp format and destroying the music industry in its own way um bombing it if you will um it's fascinating <laughs> to see these songs like that song there is about you know touring around and being a broke ass band and trying your hardest and it kind of like tearing your shit apart like most of their songs um i i i in the new devin k stuff talking about like you know changing your style to fit with what people want or all these like these things it's like a weird meta narrative about music you listen to music about music yeah i what i like about jeff's writing style is that it's all 
very much of the time of his moment in his life at that time. And I think that's what makes it relatable is that um, he isn't concerned about making it timeless. <laughs> it's authentic. Makes sense. It's which very I authentic think is to his feelings yeah. at that moment, always. And that's why listening to an early ASOB record versus a bomb record versus uh, a solo Jeff later record. Um, like they're the same person writing at different moments in their life and in different context. Uh, and I, I think that's what makes them endearing. Uh, that's my sort of maybe take on it. <laughs> I think it's a good take. Well, uh, what else did I have there? Do I have radio singles? Is that the other one that I have there? Yeah. I can't wait to oh, be yeah. So I can do lots of drugs and I Definitely lyrical complexity is kind of picking up. It's definitely um, Dave, the trombone player in the background. Like, you can tell JT is the one that's got the cleaner voice, and he's like the same range as Jeff. And then yeah. Dave is the fucking falsetto. Yeah, like JT's right behind there. I know you think I'm getting lines. Yeah. I remember reading something that said that Jeff Rosen's dog doesn't write sing-alongs, he writes shout-alongs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is fun yeah. at a show, to just yell along. Very fun. This was always like the second-to-last song in a set. I really like the vocals on this. I think They're that fun. one's the last one on All the Little Ones Are Rotting, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Uh, last or second last, but yes, it was. It's towards the end. Oh, um, that's that is a perfect album. That's a perfect EP. I think there's only like five songs, and there's there's no. Uh, you know, there's like one just before that one. Uh, it's um, it's got that Nirvana sample from Radio Friendly Pitch Shifter, like moderate rock. Uh, <laughs> it's a really good song, but if I had to pick one, that's like because uh, it's like so. Let's go nowhere. We're all fucked deluxe, uh, and like maybe one or two others, and then. Uh, fucking radio single right i might be tripping on this one. uh i think kill the president and oh, then that was so good yeah, yeah. fuck all right never yeah, mind yeah. i take that almost almost had kill the president that was another one i almost threw on here uh because that's a really good song i really liked it like at, by this point they're pretty much locked into what their sound would have like if they were still a band this is pretty much locked into what they would have sounded like for the rest of their career almost like it's um more cohesive not necessarily just everyone just running around doing whatever they want, being kind of random and crazy. There's actually like a uh, sort of a, a heft or a, even though it's still wild, it has a vision almost towards it. And I think the EP format works best for them. <laughs> I have That's a probably t-shirt the from this album still like in my closet. Uh, it's how I met Josh from Satsnack and how we got all this started. It's a, uh, it's from um, Kill the President, and they have that line at the end, uh, expect the worst and you'll be right. Uh, and it's a picture of George W. Bush uh, fucking, like, I think he's on an airplane bombing something. Uh, and it's like, they used to just buy out thrift stores worth of t-shirts and just, like, screen print on, like, pre-existing shirts. Like, this one's on uh, a weird Roadrunner camouflage, like, running shirt. <laughs> uh, I used to have another one that was, like, a work shirt, like a, a janitor's shirt. Uh, that they just screen printed on the back of. Um, 
but yeah, that like that that album was high school for me in a nutshell. I've like lost it in some band van or another. Uh, I don't think I still have. I have like one or two of their original CDs still at my folks' place in Jersey because that's as close to safekeeping as I've got. <laughs> what uh, you said, you had seen them do their cover set. So I said that they're oh, taking shit, back Sunday yeah. cover set is one that most a lot of people talk about. It's got like a legendary thought. But what other did you see that one or did you see some other Radiohead. Like, I, I missed the Nirvana one where he blew his brains out at the end of it. But the Radiohead one where there's six people pretending to be Tom York on stage was the best thing in the world. Like there's one where it's which like I have I have a track from there that I'll oh, play at the end. It's so good. There's <laughs> like there's funny. one point where they're like, hey, you guys, you, you need to like you don't have that much time left. You have like two more songs. And Dave's like, we are Radiohead and we could play for as long as you want and people will love it. And they just like <laughs> pretend to be Tom York with bad accents, but there's six of them. It's, it's incredible. <laughs> it's and they just keep saying like tea and crumpets and like the Queen. They just keep saying like stupid English stuff. The Nirvana one is no just being like, I'm, just, yeah. I, I <laughs> they, they did that for like a year or two, like because they would like they would arrange all of these songs so intricately that like there would be more Radiohead songs than there were ASOB songs in a set if they really wanted to. But like, they just like, they'd portion them out. You'd be at a show and they'd be like, all right, fuck it. This is fake plastic trees. We're not doing anything else. Like, oh, no. they're good. They're goofy. They're yo, but man, like, you know, cause they're trying to take the piss out of stuff. Yeah, like half that's the time. Fun. So this... I think like he, Jeff said that the reason why they did the Radiohead set uh, was because people told him that they're not al- like, you're not allowed to cover Radiohead. And they said, like, no, they're untouchable. They're too good. You can't cover Radiohead. He's what got and me into like, Radiohead. Well, like, I didn't you, listen I'll, to them I'll before that. Anyway. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you. I, I didn't listen you know to Let's... Radiohead before that. I was, like, really into punk music. Like, punk rock, I, I, not to quote a Minutemen song, but punk rock changed your lives. You know, it was, like, fucking, um, I was, like, institutionalized at a young age, thrown out of public school, put into a really, like, a school for disturbed kids where we had a bunch of abusive teachers. And, like, somebody came up to me one day and handed me, like, a Pennywise album and the first Offspring album was, like, you got potential? You like Blink-182? You like some 41? But that shit ain't gonna last. Look at this. And, like, neither of those albums are in my my (laughs) mainstay anymore. But, like, shortly thereafter, I got into, like, No Effects and all these other bands and just, like, I there was, like, this, like, if somebody tells you you can't do something, you can do it type vibe, you know, like just don't let anybody describe what your experience is supposed to be. And man, like, I don't know, like I didn't get into Radiohead because it was overblown corporate rock. It didn't make any sense to me. Like, why would I support this? Why would I give my time to something that doesn't need me to be there to be good? Like with like local bands, it's like, you kind of got to be there to support the people who are really good because they're going to get better, but they need somebody to, show up you know like radiohead doesn't need your shit they don't care they're, they're no. fine they got creep they're gonna be okay <laughs> <laughs> do you want let, joey you should play just because i did bring a bring mm. uh, this is actually a really cool arrangement this this live recording is you can get it it's uh it's on the quote-unquote website and it's on youtube I like, you know, I like the cartoon. And they said they intentionally wanted it to be like unnuanced arrangements. Like, they wanted it to be as like 
dunderheaded punk ska as possible. I was going to say, yeah. is this my favorite song of theirs? Yeah. <laughs> this might have been my favorite song I've heard. The, uh, uh, um, oh, there's one at the end of that album that's, uh, it's not exit music for a film. It's, uh, um, shoot. It's, a, uh, it's an acoustic song. True Love Waits. Their version of True Love Waits is better than the original. Like, hands down. Like, I went back and heard that song as a Radiohead song. I was like, no. I, I refuse to accept that this is the this is the song this is the real song. I'm just gonna stay in my fantasy world with the Saturday Sons of Bitches cover. Uh, so in 2003, the band famously followed the Warp tour, <laughs> playing outside the venue to. They uh, followed them. Yes, not a part of it. No, no. well, they, it. eventually the Warp tour let them kind of join a couple of dates, but they That's would just funny. follow it around and play outside. That's smart. I was yeah. there. I, yep. I heard them for the first time at the New York one where they'd eventually been invited to come play. And so they were on a stage and it was like one of the more violent mosh pits I've ever been in. I like, yeah, I I used to just get like smacked around a lot. I I, I still love it, but I'm like older now. So I kind of, you know, I I don't stay, I have a metal arm at this point. I uh, like a metal elbow from, I got my arm shattered at an ice protest concert a few years back. It's not as cool as it sounds. Fuck ice, but that's not. It sounds painful. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, I had to go through a lot of rehab, but when I was younger, I was like really into like mosh pits and more so than I am now. And a bit more fearless because I had never broken anything. And like, fuck, we heard, um, like we were at a mad caddy set on one side of the warp tour and we heard this, like, I don't know how we heard it through everything, but we were like, Oh, cool. That was cool. Like, you know, we'll maybe catch another ska band eventually. And like, you could just hear, so let's go nowhere from like a quarter mile away across the way. And we just like ran in, got in this pit. And then we realized that they were going to play a show, uh, the next night in, uh, Long Island. So we got somebody's parents to drive us most of the way, and uh my friend now avi uh who runs springman records uh we've met each other through josh uh avi ran springman and put out uh the second big d in the kids table album and a few others. they also put out the rocky horror punk rock show yeah Ooh, i love that i've listened to that album a lot of times so also tsunami bomb on the record sbi fest Ooh, shit i was just (laughs) Just hanging out with them the other day. We did a um, Sell the Heart Records did an event with my group, uh, Fake Publishing Millionaires, at uh, 94 Gilman, and we just kind of hung out and watched the band. It was delightful. I can't believe I live in a timeline where, like, I don't know, like, I got a warp tour comp when I was like 12. I tell them this all the time. I get to tell the band that I like that I, I had bought their warp tour comp when I was 12, and like, their song was the standout track for me. Like, I, it's, a, it's a really oh, yeah. weird thing. I, Definitely wish I could play saxophone and, and join their band sometimes. Like, you know, <laughs> like the rest and of my I don't bands. Know. They just want like a cool chick to hang around. You know, I'm available. <laughs> I could I could pick up a tambourine. <laughs> you should, you should, like, they've already, the thing is, they've already got the synth players. I've always thought like, yeah, you know, I just weasel my way in that way. It's like, You fuck. just throw me in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there it is. I want to play anything in C. Or like, you know, just tell me the notes. I got this. I got this. Cool. <laughs> I'll, I don't even even pay. I'll just be there. <laughs> uh, Take so the reins. This time, this is. 2003 uh the implosions began happening in the band so filling guitarist aj was brought in uh to record and apparently didn't do a great job uh so they had to re-record all of his guitar parts uh joe had a panic attack on stage and had to quit and other joe uh the founder of the band was fired at this time the only bright side was the band was able to snag primo tour spots 
with a fledgling band called Streetlight Manifesto, uh, as well as Big D and the Kids Table. And this was when they Warped got really close. Darlings. <laughs> this is in this time, 2003. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, and this is when they got really close with Steve Foote of the latter. And uh, he agreed to help them record their follow up. So this is when they would actually have um, a full recording situation that wasn't just kind of like DIY slap together uh, uh, stuff. So in 2004, the band simply could not stay together. They had sat down to record their most polished effort to date, but could not make it work. They instead cobbled together the entirety of their music up to that point, issued a complete discography, which we talked about, on the Flaming Tsunami's Kill Normal Records. The album was packed with an hour of music with anything that couldn't fit on a CD put on MP3s. Jeff Rosenstock had gone on to start bomb the music industry in his bedroom, borrowing songs the arrogant sons of bitches decided were not good enough to put out and releasing them for free in 2005. See our Bomb the Music Industry Part 1 episode for more info on that one. Oh, Future 86 uh, is the yeah. is the one that connects those two. Because if you look on the pure volume, yes. it's a, technically an Arrogant Sons of Bitches song. They recorded it in their van while they were touring around. But it's also technically a bomb song. Uh, and uh, the, the story goes that when he played it for them, they hated it. So <laughs> oh, it's, it's it was, such uh, a good one. Yeah. I, I think yeah. about covering that one all the time, but I don't know what I would add to it. I don't like doing covers where you just play the song. I, I cover, um, I if I'm drunk enough because there's nobody else on stage with me, I cover nausea sometimes. But it's like, I have to be playing another song and then look at the crowd and like vibe on it a little bit and be like, all right, I can pull this off and people will sing. Because if nobody sings, it's just you playing like a cool piano song in C and try, like if it's a sing-along and you're trying to get a crowd going, nobody gives a fuck, then it's like, why do it? I mean, you do it for yourself, right. but... That it's just spite. You do it for yourself. All right. That's why you know it hurts. So Jeff would say this about this time. We would play shows. Nobody would come to them. We'd go to another show, play it. Nobody would come. We'd make no money. We'd have all these shirts and we couldn't sell. And I'd started putting things on my credit card. Dave hadn't gone to school. I had just graduated school and didn't know what I was going to do. We didn't know what we were going to do. And we were in this band that was just ruining our credit causing us to get into stupid arguments about shit. Just like anybody who spent time with the same group of people for years and years and years, they're your brothers, so you start fighting. Nobody really cared that we were in a band anymore. I don't think a lot of people understood that. Also, we were just really shitty to each other, especially on those last tours. So in 2006, the band formally announced they were breaking up and issued the shelved album uh, Three Cheers for Disappointment on Kill Normal with the vinyl issued on Flood's Asbestos Records. Indeed, it marked the final iteration of the band at their most fully formed with an air of disenchantment and melancholy. In many ways, the group went on a high note and the release was accompanied by a music video for So Let's Go Nowhere. Let's play that song we yeah, mentioned. That video came out time. beforehand. That video came, came out, out before? Yeah, it was on uh, All the Little Ones Erotic. Oh, it was on like the enhanced version. Yeah. That, that was also on normal. Right, right, right. That's fine. <laughs> That's very voodoo close calls to me. Uh, very skank and pickle, too. Very skank and pickle. Yeah. It was weird. They didn't, like, address this. Like, when they'd be playing live, it was always like, the album's going to come out. It's weird to think about the turmoil behind it, you know? Because it always just, like, they were still promoting it as a thing that was about to drop. Like, I went to the album release, and it wasn't, like, like, you knew it was the end of the band. 
but it was like a mystery the way that they would like address the crowd about it. Like it didn't, it wasn't like a public meltdown, which is kind of nice to see. But it's nice. It doesn't have to be messy. No, and it sounds like a fucking mess, which is like nice to hear, you know, like it's, it's, it's cool that it wasn't like, if you were going to see this band and you cared about them, the dynamics between them and all the things that were going wrong, weren't really the conversation that was being had with the crowd or with anybody. It, it just seemed like they had a bunch of releases and then one day they were just done. And uh, like, I don't know. It was, it was, you could definitely tell like things were tumultuous between the group as they were playing. Like JT would consistently have this thing where he was jealous of, of Jeff and would try to go and get, get the mics or take over vocals. If Jeff ran into the crowd or, and like, there was like, a, like other shit that you could see, but it wasn't like the way that the album was addressed and the way that it, like the, the crowd was being spoken to and whatnot. It was like, Hey, there's an album coming. We're recording with big D we're working our ass off. Um, it'll be out soon. You know what I mean? It, it wasn't, I don't know. Some bands, you know, that things are going wrong. Other bands, I just, if they had not, they're professionals, professionals who obviously care about their fans enough to not let it like interrupt or affect like the shows they're playing. So I think that says very positive things about them. And to know that they were so like, we get to talk about them a lot right now and they were so regional. Um, But if it wasn't for sort of the bands that came out after, if it wasn't for quote unquote, kind of having that donation only set up. Um, we probably wouldn't never known about them elsewhere. They were at the, the way that their music was shared after the fact um, was at the right point of the internet so that it could get to the most people at the best time. Right. I think that that's, that, that's why we get to talk about them a lot now. Otherwise they would have been just another regional ska band that would have been maybe remembered by the people who were there. Yeah. It's like, like people get to listen to them. There's a list of bands that I wanted to maybe suggest that were from that same scene that just, it's it's like, they don't have that same spark. There's something about this particular group, like, okay, like, even if Jeff Rosenstock didn't go on to do Bomb the Music Industry, even if if there's no legacy beyond this, there's just so much happening in all these songs. Like, it's packed to the gills. Like, oh, no other band in that scene was working that hard to make something that erratic and sometimes just challenging to listen to. Their music demands multiple listens uh, because there's so much happening. I can't believe that they sound the way they do and it's still musical. Like mm. <laughs> this could just easily be a bunch of crazy noise, like uh, with all the stuff that's happening at one time, but it actually does. They do sound like songs at the end of the day. So you could put a song on and still be like, oh, this is catchy. Oh, I enjoy this. Yeah, there's always uh, a hook, no matter like, like how yeah. fucked up it gets. Some, sometimes they'll just like play some straight up hardcore stuff, and then there's usually still a fucking hook. Like, it, and like I don't know. Yeah, you can tell that Jeff Rosenstock, even if he didn't rep it so hard in bomb music industry, he very much is into like Beach Boys and very classic melody writing. And it it just it, eels. That's a weird one he uh, talks about sometimes. Uh, I had never gotten into that band, and he mentioned it one time, and I started listening to them. Uh, yeah, it's cool to think about the things that inspire the people that inspire you and how it doesn't always connect with the music or art that they make even you know let's uh let's throw the last bell i'll ever this is the first track on the album i have a couple more songs here to play but while we talk some more it's great i do would say i recommend anybody who hasn't heard arrogant sons of bitches to at least listen to this three cheers for disappointment it's on spotify and streaming and stuff easy to find 
it's probably the easiest to listen to as well. <laughs> like, it's not as crazy. Even though this is very fast. This is the best song about graduating high school ever. I remember hearing Move about... Move over vitamin C. Oh no, I forgot. <laughs> I think they said that they were in a... When they were in the studio that they were recording in, there was like a bunch of shelves of instruments and they made it a point to use every instrument on those shelves. That's why there's a lot of like crazy percussion going on. I was yeah. gonna say there's like a circus energy, but I think it's just because it's ma so maximalist. Controlled chaos. More is more. Yeah. Kiss my ass. The drums in this band have always been like, the, like my mark. Like if I can do something that's half as good, because there's always like, ah, they hit up like like even that last section there. He starts hitting the ride bell with what he's doing in such a way where it it just like it becomes the biggest thing in the song. You know what I mean? And they've had like sixty drummers. <laughs> that's the other thing. It's like it's not always like my cost was in the band for probably the longest, but they had a lot of drummers, especially at the beginning. Let's uh let's put on one more track. I have disappointment at the Taco Bell. Yeah. Uh, because it has a great name. has Big D in it. It's not Big D. It was either this one or Rocket, Rocket, Rocket shit. I was like in my folks' car at age like 16 and they were driving somewhere and I couldn't find the album it was on and I realized that it hadn't been released yet and I've just seen them live <laughs> so many times and I just had the choruses memorized. Would you rather a fire at the Taco Bell or a disappointment at the Taco Bell? Is it a combination? Fire at the disco! Oh man, fucking uh, high voltage. I'm planning on doing that for when host Rocky Horror Karaoke. Oh, good. Electric Six Karaoke sounds fun as fuck. Joey's grooving. This is the first time Joey's heard this band. Seems up your alley. It's pretty good. <laughs> this Thanks, Joey. a fucking jam. I can't, you're right, I can't believe how many instruments they fit on this thing. <laughs> and this is them at their smallest band recording. At this point, they only have six members. <laughs> Not 15 or whatever they were at the maximum. And they were like working at that for a couple of years too. Cause it was like all the little ones are rotting came out before 2003 or in 2003. And then like, we were going to see them for like three, three years. And then the new album came out and that was the end of the band. Like the timeline on it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, they were really only active for less than a decade. Like, yeah. And they put out this much material and they kind of have this, this, uh, this mythos about them. It wouldn't be anywhere without Bond the music industry in its own way. They're like, if Jeff didn't consistently put out music and like tour and like face the bleakness of maybe nobody caring with like, I mean, he talks about it and it's a large part of like the persona, but if he didn't just kind of stare into that beast and keep going, these songs would not be here. I mean, they would, it's the internet, but it wouldn't be the same deal. No. So what, Oh, sorry. I didn't get your thoughts. What did you think about this album as a whole? It was enjoyable. Again, I feel like I needed more time with it to process it. <laughs> what? Oh, just being, Joey's just keeps. Pointing at the mic. Yeah. Look at the mic. <laughs> looking make, at the mic. I'm looking at you. Make, You're talking to me. You're looking at me. <laughs> uh, 
yeah, it's great. I'm listening to it again. I was like, this is awesome. It's it's as good as any any of the best bomb or ska dream or like I, feel like I don't know. Had it's I seen on them that live, level. I would be more into them. I feel like seeing them live will be just you know for those who are there, they remember you. You know, it's kind of one of those. <laughs> was this Vietnam? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You know, For those who were you know, there, they remember. You don't yep, know, all, man. You don't even know. <laughs> yeah. They're hanging out with Robert De Niro, right? Had to take a boat the down hor- the river to the, get there. The horror, the horror. A boat down the river, yeah. Yeah. Like, it was, it was, I don't horror. know why I was looking at you like you would get that. <laughs> all right. Here's Brett. what Jeff said from the original liner notes in 2003 about this record. What I remember is that when I wrote this album, uh, that it was less a series of complaints and a stream of anger than it was a story about something I feel we all go through when we finally get out of high school and we are inundated with the feeling that we're free from rules. We don't have the teacher forcing us to go to class anymore. We're not a part of the system we all hated. Years later, I'm still having trouble dealing with the fact that I'm still a part of the system that we hated. The truth is the minute you feel you're breaking free of the big thing that is holding you down, you're already locked back up again advertising finances friendship love life is business i try to avoid all the bullshit i try to be a musician and all i heard from my people was negativity ska is dead lose the horns tame the chaos oh okay i was just like if you do each of these things you'll be successfully financial we're trying to be commercially viable and saleable to record labels and corporations this game is gone whenever i said those things or you're shitting me there are a thousand bands who would drop their convictions in three seconds if they were offered ten thousand dollars we weren't one of them, so people moved on to other acts. So there we were, and that's where we are now. Unwelcome in our underground because our underground actually ended up being the system. Live everything else. I'd always figured that the underground would be the one place we could break away from that system, but thanks to MTV commodifying punk rock, this has been taken away from us. So I would like to invite you, the listener, the reader, to create a new underground, <laughs> one where we actually don't have to follow any set of rules, one where we don't have to be controlled by anyone but ourselves. This is an album about breaking out of that old system. Hope you enjoy it, fucker. <laughs> that new system anyway. is called fucking Ska Punk International. <laughs> and uh, that's that's kind of where I wanted to stop the story. So that's Arrogant Sons of Bitches. We got it all done in one episode. Aesop. Let's play a game. I can't even remember what this game was. Oh, yeah. This is so fucking stupid. <laughs> 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 I didn't expect anything. Uh, that means it's gonna God, be good. I'm all, I was embarrassed by the last one. Oh no! So we recorded two. We recorded two episodes today. This is the, this is the second one, and I'm like, this is even stupider than the first one I did. <laughs> all right, here we go. We all know that Blink 182 has some serious potty mouse, so I'm gonna sing one of their iconic songs, but just sing beep whenever there is a swear word. Sing along if you know the words. <clears throat> Beep 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 In this game, Selene, Alon, and Joey will be given a rapid-fire list of band names, and they'll have to ascertain whether this is a real band or not. So it's like a true or false thing, right? Mm -hmm. The catch 
all the bands have a swear word or are offensive in some fashion. Cool. Okay. I like arrogant sons of bitches. Yes. Buzz in with your name or buzz or ska. Most points wins. If it's true, you have to say, that's fucked. <laughs> if it's false, you have to say, you're shitting me. Okay. <laughs> That's fucked or you're shitting me. Now, I the other this. catch to this is this one. <laughs> I co-built this list with uh, artificial intelligence. Oh, no. <laughs> so they came up with all the fake band names. Writer's Strike. Okay. I stand with the WGA. <laughs> I wrote th- I wrote this. <laughs> I stand with the WGA. Wait, are we going to get AI I'm also not sitcoms? A- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to get the... Uh, that was the next step was make this into a sitcom. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, sorry, where is it? We're the real Jeff Rosenstocks of podcasts. When they said our niche Scott podcast wasn't going to make it big, we kept making them. <laughs> All right. Is everybody ready? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <All> right. <laughs> ready. The Bloody Beetroots. What do you mean? Like that this exists as a band? Does it exist or not? Is it, is that fucked? Or you're okay, shitting so what me. Do you, so this is this is supposed to be like, but how is that? Is bloody supposed to be like a... Yeah, bloody is a swear. In okay. England, it's a swear. Okay. How about we all guess and then we get points oh, if we get it right? Oh, I like that. Okay, we'll do a round table. Yeah. Rather than I do... Okay, yeah, I table. think that's fun. Okay, <laughs> yeah. okay. Okay, so Joey. That's fucked. That's fucked. Ilan. You're shitting me. You're shitting me. No, the Bloody Beetroots are a real band. Oh, what kind of yes. music? That's stupid. Electronic. Cool. I'm mean, gonna notice Bloody Beetroots. They are the Bloody Beetroots. The Bloody Beetroots. It's the right, beats. Next one. <laughs> the bloody ones. Oh yes. Boy, is that the Bloody the, Beetroots the over there? From Doug. Yeah. Oh, is it? It's like the yeah, metal the band beats. from Doug. Now though, they got yeah. the. Oh my one. god, that's amazing. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. The beats. Okay, Joey. Piss jeans. Uh, that's fucked is the correct one. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's fucked. Okay, Elon. Uh, yeah, that's fucked. You're what? shitting me about those piss jeans. No, that is a real band. Why are they just jeans. all real bands? I don't know. No. There's only been two. I know, but you, you're <laughs> weird. You don't do not Man, act like been, that would be actually, crazy. That been Rob really would funny do something if I make like them that. all true. He's played little <laughs> games with these games many well, times. Well, I mean, now this is an idea I'm going to take. Okay. I will forget. Okay, Joey. I'll forget. Yeah. Shit robot. You got to be shitting me. Elon. That's fucked. Shitting. No, that is a real band. That's fucked. I'm gonna have the shit okay. Robot. I hate this, Robert. It I'm sounds just like a trailer park boys gag. Like a shit <laughs> robot. Yeah. <laughs> Something Lee and Randy are talking about. Oh my god! Yeah, Joey. Holy fuck! Oh yeah, that's uh... Elon. Yeah, that's fucked. You're fucked. Yeah, that's true. That's a yeah. Canadian band. Holy fuck is from yeah. Canada. They're great. You're uh, fucked, jo- Joey. <laughs> fuck buttons. That's fucked. Elon? Yeah, you're shitting me. You're shitting me. No, that's a real band. Damn it! Fuck okay. buttons? Okay. No way. So how many, how many is that? Uh, five. And they're all They're all true. real so far, yeah. And you just made fun of me saying that would be crazy right. if they were jo- all... Okay. I don't Joey. think there really is any AI. Dog fuck. <laughs> you gotta be shitting me. Elon? <laughs> I'm gonna. I, I, that's fucked. I, I have to believe now. I guess that's fucked. No, that's not real at all. Oh my god, I hate <laughs> it. 
<laughs> I hate Robert. Never. Dog. Fuck. I know that was lazy, but I don't know. It was lazy. This is on a run that was holy fuck, fuck buttons, and then dog fuck. That yeah, yeah you can see how we believe it. <laughs> <laughs> Joey. Yep. Raging piss ants. Uh, you gotta be shitting me. Elon? Uh, you gotta be shitting me. I don't know. That's fucked. No, that's not real. Uh, I'm doing very badly. <laughs> okay. Joey. Easy one for two people at this table. Dayglow abortions. Uh, that's fucked. Yeah, yeah. Elon. That's fucked. Yeah, that's fucked. We yeah, that's a that's a real band. Yeah. It's a band we probably what's Canadian. Abortion isn't a swear Ask word. I said another. or offensive. Or offensive. Abortions aren't offensive. They're a, a human a, right. Dayglow day abortion. Yeah. <laughs> Nuclear. I'm offended by the dayglow aspect of it. I just Yeah, I guess. I guess you're right. The it's supposed to be the yeah, the situation. I don't think the individual words. Are okay, to be well, that's taken what I was focused context. on. Well, that's what I was focused on. Joey, smelly fart factory. <laughs> I know that's, that's what he is, but what's the band you're trying to say? <laughs> yes, he is a smelly Go fart on. factory. Smelly fart factory. Well, that's I have not the nice hardest time believing this is real, but now I don't know what to think. <laughs> fuck my equilibrium, man. Uh, that's fucked. It's fucked. I know. It's, it's fucked. It's fucked. That's fucked. No, I'm shitting you. There's no such thing as a smelly <laughs> fart factory. <laughs> Wait, you should copyright Joey. that now. Joey. Get on yeah. that. Yeah. Before app release. Joey, Angry Beavers. That's a, That's sh- a TV, TV show. show. Uh, but is it a is it a band though? Um you gotta be shitting me. You gotta be shitting me. Elon? Uh yeah, you get you gotta be shitting me on that one. That's fucked. It's not real. Oh. But also, it's not that offensive. I don't know why yeah. the AI decided that <laughs> yeah. that deserved to be there. It's more like a copyright um, infringement. Because yeah, beaver so. like, is kind of like... I guess so. Another word it's still for not vagina sometimes. Maybe jo- when it's angry. Joey, the fucking <laughs> eagles. <laughs> uh, that's fucked. Elon? Uh, that's fucked. It's a bit... It's a bit on Lebowski, Big Lebowski. Somebody actually like named the fu- themselves the fucking Eagles. That's believable. So you're fucked. That's nope. Fucked. That was you're uh, shitting me. Uh, I was shitting. They're doing a bit. No, yeah. man, I can't believe there's not a band called the Fucking Eagles. We, again, that, we gotta we gotta get funny. on that. That's that's good. Yeah, that one. That one. I'm starting. Joey, the fucking the Eagles profanity the- lovers. <laughs> the profanity lovers. You gotta be shitting me, <laughs> Elon. That's fucked. I this believe is so it. stupid. Listen, did okay. I write this? You're shitting me. Yeah, no, it's, it's false. <laughs> what? These are so stupid. Honestly, profanity lovers is amazingly it's not bad. bad. Yeah. It's not bad. I'm They're having a worse. great time. They're, They're like a new wave band for yeah. sure. Ooh, Definitely a new for wave real. band. Yeah. <sighs> Joey fucked up. That's fucked. Yep. Elon. That's fucked. That's fucked. We all know that that's yeah. fucked. It's fucked up even. Yeah, the new album's really good. I was just listening to it last night. I can't believe I chose... Well, no, I do believe this. I chose to see Joe and the Shit Boys instead of uh, going to see Fucked Up. At I the, wish I saw Joe here. and the Shit Boys. Joe and the Shit Boys were sweet. Who are Joe and the Shit Boys? That's such a good they're name. A, they're <laughs> a queer core band from the Faroe Islands. Uh, they write like 20-second like, hardcore punk songs. Uh, it was fucking awesome. Their show was incredible. Like one of the best punk shows I've ever seen. Joe and the yeah. Shit Boys. That's Joe and the that's, that's going to stay in there. I, I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm going to listen to that later. That's so good. Uh, Joey, anal cunt. That's <laughs> fucked. That's fucked. Elon? Yeah, that's fucked. 
That's fucked. Yeah. Isn't that the we horse the band people? No, like or Anal no. Cunt is uh, Seth Putnam's band. Yeah. That's a uh, real they, And who are they from? Nosebleed. That guy, isn't it? Same guy? From which? Agoraphobic, was uh, anal? Agoraphobic Nosebleed. Wasn't uh, yes, anal Agoraphobic cunt? Nosebleed. Was that the like, Moon Forest. Yeah. Was that the like um, finger drum like yes. guy yes. with yeah. the like he recorded it all and yeah. by himself? Wait, where he got his friend to drum on the side of his bed? Yeah, yeah. that was wild. Yeah, yeah. Wait, what is this? So okay, so anal cunt is Seth Putnam, who's a, a he's dead, but he's a, a a big piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he was friends with Phil and Selmo, uh, noted mm. also piece of shit. And uh, so he anal cunt is like a grindcore band that would have songs that like you own a store, <laughs> like they just wrote the dumbest piece of shit. But it was kind of funny. It, it, yeah, it, it, that it was one intentionally was funny. satirically pretty funny kind of sometimes. Funny. At the um, risk of embarrassing he, myself, Phil oh, and Selmo's in. Sl- not Slayer. Pantera. That's Pantera. what I thought. Pantera. Yeah. And then um, two thirds of the songs are like, blah 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 is gay. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah, you listen to Dish while in Everclear, you're gay. Is yeah. Stuff songs. like that. Um, that band would be yeah, way cool so if they were gay. Ten- like I know, if, if and that would be amazing. Out, right? That would be great. It would be good if they were gay. In- intentionally offensive, but like just over the top, stupid. You couldn't tell if he was joking or not. Then he had a band called Impaled Northern Moon Forest, which yes. was a joke black metal band where his friend drummed on the side of a bed. Right. And then he had a Gorephobic Nosebleed. And then he had um, a band called Vaginal Jesus that was right. a fake hate band that he oh, shopped to hate labels. That's so mm-hmm. bad. Like, like, and he got himself signed to yeah, a hate label funny. just to oh. show that he could do it. Yeah. So he did shit like that all Boo. the time. Yeah. Anyway, that's anal cunt. <laughs> God, that that's is a whole lot of stuff you can awesome search. resume that's fucked. yeah it's fucked <laughs> yeah, like, yeah that's fucked. It, what a lot of it's, work it's one of those things like yeah like he was busy. definitely the you know the bastard love child of Gigi allen you know what i mean like for sure trying for sure. He, that's the kind of punk rock he was trying that to makes do. sense that's because yeah. i'm like why you be a piece of shit like that but i'm like oh yeah Gigi allen you know what yeah. blows me away is the people that are like yeah but Gigi allen made good music it's like Really? He did not. He's the product of abuse and trauma. His name is yeah. Jesus like, Christ. Bad genetics. His, yes, yeah. exactly. I was like, he's the do, do not look up to this man. No, he's he's an interesting he had, character from a time in punk rock that allowed that creature to exist. I'm fascinated but with him. He's not something. Yeah, he's, he's a fascinating. Like the way he died is fascinating. Like he. Oh, the Wicca, his yeah. Wikipedia he's, is very best, interesting. Yeah. If this is dark to say, but he's best in memoriam. Yeah. Like, oh, if 100%. he was still alive, I'd be. I'd be and horrified. No one should probably. idolize him. He should oh. be a cautionary tale. You know who's yeah. the hero? Is whenever you see a st- like what like I mean any of the videos you see of him, there's always somebody from the crowd that goes up and punches him. That person's yeah. a hero, but they also bought a ticket always. to his show. I know. Like yeah. Yeah, they, and he liked that. How That's are you offended by it? You go there to like, you know what? I'm he liked to, be honest, to piss though, people off. He loved to, to be piss honest people though. Off. If you were a punk at that time and you were like, you know what? I am gonna pay five dollars and I'm gonna punch Gigi Allen in the fucking face. Wait, actually, and no I'd one's pay gonna five stop bucks me. For that too. Like, hold on yeah, here. Yeah, like, wait. <laughs> yeah, like, and and no one would stop you. That's part of the show, right? Like, so like, I I think part of his draw probably at the time were punks who hated the shit out of him and would have just paid to beat the shit out of him which he was into so there's a story about wayne coin from the flaming lips and kurt cobain going on a road trip together to go visit gg allen in prison which is one of the wilder things i've ever heard 
But like, Weird. Yeah. Can you imagine those two guys on a road trip together? That just I was just yeah, about yeah, to I say will the watch worst that part movie. of that story is the two of them in a car together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nightmare blood rotation. <laughs> what a bummer. What, watch, a bu- what a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> I'd watch that movie, but it would have to like end before they meet Gigi Allen. Like if it's just them in a car talking about <laughs> yeah. it, like a meta film, I'm in. But I also just don't like, yeah, that guy is just scum. Somehow, like there aren't very many people that are like a low budget Hitler in a way that like is effective in history. But that guy is like, if Hitler had five bucks yeah. to his name, yeah. <laughs> like I mean, he, he maybe makes, the best. He makes the yeah. Fuhrer look like a classy. It takes a lot to make genocide look classy, but Gigi Allen does. Oh, what an ass! Like, yeah, sorry. None of that. <laughs> there's no more eloquent thing to say about this. I just felt like <laughs> no, trampling I, on his grave some more. You're preaching to yeah, I know. We're, you're preaching to the choir. Uh, I'll allow all this. This all, to hate this all came from us. To us. Yeah, this piece of shit. This all came from us talking about anal cunt. Oh, amazing! <laughs> um, Is there more? Yeah. Oh my god. What no. Joey? Badass wolf shirt. Badass Wolf Shirt is an amazing band. Three Wolf I Moon. I do not believe and it is le- real. They're definitely referring me. to Three Wolf Il- Moon. Ilan. Yeah. Badass, Badass Wolf Shirt. shirt. I'm, uh, real band, not real band. Real Fuck band. Shitting me. Fuck. It's fucked. Fucked. Yeah, they are. That's, that's yeah. a, that's a I've real heard, band. Yeah, yeah for sure. Badass Wolf that's Shirt. Good. That's really uh, good. Joey, Diarrhea Planet. That's fucked. Ilan? That's fucked. You're shitting me. No, that's fucked. It's real Whoa, bad. I don't like it. Diary oh, they got that song, <laughs> Ghost with a Boner? <laughs> I'm not making this up. That's one of their singles. Actually? Okay, yeah, exactly. I don't. Their songs. I... Joey, Bloody Hell. Bloody Hell. Uh, that's fucked. No. You're shitting me. Ilan? Uh, that's fucked. Okay, so wait. I'm to assume that... The false answers are AI generated, and that sounds AI generated. So you're shitting me. That's correct. That, that is. That ooh. was how I. Uh, yeah, that was how I figured it out too. <laughs> I love uh, figuring the game out. Only at the end. Jo- Joey, Joey, cunts are us. <laughs> okay. Well, that doesn't sound AI generated, uh, so I don't know if this is gonna work. Shit me. Go on. Oh, just checking. The pronunciation is cunts are us, not cuntsaurus, right? That's right. Yeah. Okay. Like, well, my band is Cuntsaurus. Because yeah. <laughs> I mean, just want to check <laughs> here. Uh, I, that's fucked. I lo- Yeah, I'm going. That's fucked. No, you're, I'm shitting you. That's really yeah. the AI dropped cunt. Yeah. Wow. Cuntsaurus is actually hmm, pretty the, good. This next one <laughs> is, is 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 amazing. Joey prickly thorns. <laughs> that's so prickly. Yeah. Shit me. You are shitty. Yeah, Elon. that's some lazy. Yeah, that's that is that's fake. I'm sorry. You're that's shitting me. me. Yeah, the AI gave You're up. You're shitting me. <laughs> You're shitting me. Okay. No offense in anything. Uh, <laughs> last one, Joey swearing. <laughs> that's you're fun. Shitting me, Elon. Yeah, you're shitting me. That's so, fucked. Yeah, that's a real. Bad- wow. <laughs> what are their albums called? Like, what? 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 Let's find out. Fuck <laughs> is the first one. Shit is the second Swe- one. Swearing band. They're fr- okay. Here we go. Philadelphia based musical group. Uh, that's all it says so far. Oh, if they, they had a so honky cute. tonk vibe, that would be cute. Indie I know. I just was thinking rock. the same thing. They look like cute little indie darlings. They, they toured with Super Chunk. That's actually something. Oh, Super Chunk's great. We met. Uh, what's They're, his face? Uh, the, when we played with the Mountain Goats, they shared drummers, uh, John Worcester with Super Chunk, and I just geeked out and talked about my favorite drum parts. That was such a fucking treat. <laughs> who, uh, 
Who won? I took. I ran away with it. Good job, Joey. Oh. I did it. it was good. Especially after the last game when you got fucking smushed. Yeah, I did. it was not good. Selena and Joey got smushed on the last game, but yeah. good job. Elon was very close. Selena, yeah. you were getting there. I'm just happy to be I here. pulled it through at the end. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Yeah, you caught up. You're only a I'm couple points behind Elon. Uh, Surfing so Strange is one of their albums. Yes. All into the su- they, it's disappointing. I'm sure the music's great, but I, I, I wanted like... I don't know, like boobs to be a song title or something. They got a whole seven point <laughs> four on Pitchfork. Ooh, it's because they don't play ska. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's the big thing. Speaking of speaking that's of ska, 6.9. that's the big thing. <laughs> Ilan, thank you for joining us today. What have you got to plug? Uh, okay, so Indica Indica Act One just came out. It's the first five scenes in the rock opera. We're about to start tracking Act Two. Uh, we're just gonna be out in the fall when I'm going on tour on the East Coast with uh, Mega Infinity. Um, we're gonna be playing with take today and some other really awesome bands i'm very excited about it i'm from the east coast so it's a nice homecoming uh let's see uh another indica indicate stuff oh fuck it yeah next next week we've got an ike remix with a really cool car seat headrest parody cover um sorry it's a parody of an album cover from car seat headdress starring indica and ike (laughs) but it's an, an indica remix that ike did and then uh, Hexadecimal's got a remix coming out after that. Um, should be a cool, fun summer of synthesizer fun. stuff. Where do you want to be found? Oh, yeah, it's a really good point. Uh, I you can find me in the club, bottle full of bum. I got what you. Um, <laughs> but like uh, realistically, uh, indicaindicay.bandcamp.com. If you want to see any of the new music videos we just dropped, we just put a new one out. Uh, with all sorts of, uh, with ghosts and robots. And your videos are fun. Your videos, are, Indica and Decay videos are sweet. Thanks. I, I bust, I, I, the last video we did, I played a character that was doing cartoonish amounts of blow, which we made out of cake powder because I'm not a billionaire. And uh, I was laughing. I, I jacked up my keyboard so bad. Like I, three or four of the audio oh, no. jacks just got jammed on it. So like I went to play a Gilded Still show the next of- day. Yeah, they're full of Coke, fake Coke. And I went to play a Gilman show like the next day and uh, there was an electrical problem completely unrelated. And I thought all of my synths had broke at once and I was so freaked out for a while. And uh, to this day, like I, when, when you see this video and I'm like picking up mountains of fake Coke and shoving it into my nose, I want you to know that the instruments <laughs> that I make this music on suffered to get that scene. Oh like, no. Is, well, everything's great. I play video. like a, a $50 Casio tone. Like what I do is I, I use an old Casio keyboard to get all those like cool, like symphony hits and whatnot. And then I plug it, I, I connect it to some other like analog synths to get the cool gritty like tones. But I, I love that cheesy sound. That Casio noise is amazing. And if you like it, you can check Agreed. out our music videos uh, <laughs> at the fake publishing millionaires, YouTube. Uh, awesome i do recommend everyone check it out and stay tuned for more stuff i'm excited for the next installment i thought this was a really fun listen uh so uh yeah this was great checkered past stamp of approval <laughs> i did it <laughs> it's legitimate hang up your hat now yeah i i got the approval i can stop there's an ongoing story yeah, i just want to impress just, you it's like the nintendo yeah. seal of approval that, it's the, uh, the but it means ball. so much less <laughs> 
I don't know. We should get like kind of like an Oprah book club situation. Can, you, can I get the, the thing to when we make the physical releases? Can I get the the little sticker that has your seal of approval? Yeah, on we'll it? get you the seal. We'll get you I, the seal. I need. No, we'll we'll buy it otherwise. I need. I need this. I have Indica, Indica, and Sack stickers. So many of them. Ooh. I just kept saying yes yeah. and slinking them. I have them both on my base. <laughs> yeah, my base case. Sorry, my base hey. case. So thanks for listening to Checkered Past. Hit us up on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at Checkered Past Pod, or send us an email at checkeredpasspod at gmail.com to support the pod and get bonus content, including a full-length and unedited video of this episode. Sign up for the Checkerhead Patreon. Not oh, there's video. no video. Sign up for the Checkerhead <laughs> Patreon at patreon.com slash checkeredpast. We also have merch available at checkeredpast.ca slash merch, which has our tour shirts. Please pick one up. Checkered Past is edited by Ariane and engineered by Joey. And until next time, I'm Rob. Celine. And in the mortal words of arrogant sons of bitches, fuck that, turn off the new sound.